Hello, everyone. Welcome to Breakthrough Speaks as part of our Let's Talk initiative, a real conversation with real people about their real lives. Here at the Breakthrough Movement, we are dedicated to using our platform to take on real world issues. So as you sit back and listen, we ask that you please take care of yourselves because we are sometimes serious, sometimes silly, but we are straight up all of the time. Today, I am talking with my blood, my actual blood, my cousin. Uh, can we? Do we want to go with Leah? Or do we want to use the full name? On let's this let's yeah. Let's use the full name. That sounds legit. Okay. It makes me feel more adult. All right, we're gonna go with right. My cousin Oleander. Um, gonna just dive into some stuff. We've actually shared a lot of similar paths. You and I. We have a number of years. <laughs> I say how many. Um, but you know we we're not the same age but we've walked in very similar similar pathways um and i'm curious because you you went through well what they very affectionately call baby prep right baby prep i didn't wait please explain Yeah. yeah that's a thing what no okay so firstly thank you so much for like hosting this conversation and inviting me into the room i'm super stoked to just chat and shoot the shit oh snap i um hmm. my language is colorful is that okay that's fine that's totally okay. fine all good i love how you asked if i had any questions before we started and i was like nah everything's fine and i'm like oh wait is this admissible is this okay <laughs> um, but back to baby prep I didn't know that was a thing what yeah 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 yeah. because there were so many different like versions of mm. prep okay there were like these little inside like nicknames right. and I know that like for for the original prep program okay there were sometimes those who weren't part of it referred to it as baby prep so, all right, I feel like right now I'm just learning that my entire life and my formative years is a lie because I thought that I was in the OG prep, but now it's like a baby prep situation and I don't know how to feel about it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how we feel about it, right? Because okay. we feel like we got in at the earliest possible moment, mm. but, you know, whatever. I, I, you know, kids. Well, I guess y'all walked so I could crawl if we're going to go with that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, it was one of those things like I heard it and I was like, so that's a thing. Oh, yeah, that's, that's okay. Excuse so me. moving on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, I don't even know how many versions of prep there are now. But I think they're in the 30s. If not, we're about to hit 40 soon. I recently received a um, alumni email just asking for folks to get together. And I think they're having a bit of a cluster approach. And I think it's just so it's equal parts exciting to know how vast the network is, but also a bit shocking to see how vast the network is. Right. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. But yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's. I mean, I I remember being in prep, and then being like, like, oh my god, I can't believe that they're already up to like contingent sixteen. That's so crazy. <laughs> right and then getting emails that are like we're getting ready to welcome contingent 30 30 mm-hmm. oh, yeah in yeah well uh, it's wild i myself i am an alum of contingent 27 
and um, it's pretty solid. And I can't even, let's see, I've graduated from the program. It's been more than a decade. However, those memories are just so vivid. And I look back and I just think, wow, I actually went through that experience in the body of a 10-year-old or an 11-year-old even. And then you just think about the way in which you were really encouraged to just stretch yourself in so many different directions that you didn't even understand Mm -hmm. was very eye-opening. Yeah, we, yeah, we did prep. (laughs) Yeah, 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 that's the thing that happened. Mm -hmm. Can you remember what public school was like, like before Mm. prep? Yes, Um, it was very lonely, actually. Mm. It was very, very lonely. Um, I, I always loved school and being in the classroom. However, I feel like academically, that was my jam. Socially, it was a bit different, you know, because when folks realize that, oh, that you might be operating at a different level or you might be approaching things a bit differently, mm-hmm. rather than gravitating towards it, I think, because you're young, you kind of repel it. So growing up, um, I didn't have too many friends, didn't really have a a circle that I can kind of rely on. So I found solace and refuge in reading and in just like doing whatever. Um, And then I think that kind of compounded when I started going through the prep program, you know, because like the summer was chill because you have you have your circle, you like hang out from time to time, but you're just kind of on your own and you're in the books going to class and stuff. So like you're in your own little world, but those worlds meshed and they didn't really mesh, they collided, honestly, during that school year preparatory because you were in, you were doing your regular work, your regular school work, but then you also had after school, you also had Saturday schooling and you really, I think that's one of the earliest instances when I found myself code switching maybe. Mm. Um, and that was different and I feel it's odd because at the time I didn't really have a definition for it Mm. I was just showing up into these spaces in different ways but Mm. now that I look back on it it it's like oh wow that's probably one of the first instances where I was introduced to code switching right we're showing up differently yeah yeah I, I remember um that that school year sixth grade I think um being bored out of my mind in in school (laughs) like just being so profoundly like I I, I'll never forget this I remember being in my math class Mm -hmm. and just overwhelmingly feeling like there was no need for me to be there like it just there there was no purpose and we were doing, I think, well, I, don't, I forget what we were doing in prep, but I'm sure we were like doing some algebra, blah, 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 like something complicated. Yeah. Um, but and in regular school, I was doing multiplication of three digit numbers. Mm. And like the teacher was going through the thing and da, 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 and, I, and I like, I started and I looked at it and I just checked out like, <laughs> 
like it didn't it like not even like a second thought i was just like oh i cannot believe we're doing this right now and i went i mean i was off in another world like yeah. just gone right and the and the teacher called me out on it and was like uh maybe you should pay attention because this is some stuff that you need to know right <laughs> like maybe you can tell me like what the answer is and i kind of looked at it and i went blah and she was like oh <laughs> yes yes and there was that like there was that like pregnant pause of like mm -hmm. of you just did that in your head yep thanks and i was like and i kind of looked at her like did you want me to do another one no yes <laughs> is there explanation you want me to show the work like i don't yeah. oh okay cool and it was like all right we're gonna move on because i was just the level of even the level of forget like the material that we were learning for a second mm -hmm the level of like showing up, being in the room, how present we were as a group, how mm -hmm. present the teacher was, like that level of like just everyone pushing themselves for this idea of better. It wasn't even yes. framed necessarily around like being academically like inclined. Mm -hmm. I think that, that because it was given, there was no need to like finger point Yep. At it. Um, it was more just like how how are you going to be better today yeah. than you were yesterday. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just I, I mean and just I have so many instances of just like like being in school but not necessarily like being being present there. Yeah. Um, and and prep was like for it felt like you know every day was opening like a new gift. <laughs> yeah. Like oh that's what that is that's crazy <laughs> like. That's, yeah no it, it was weird um yeah if, if for me let's see what happened so my middle school years were so interesting because i had actually changed schools three times mm. so it was once one school one year at my like middle school across the street from my house sixth grade i got into a gifted program and then i did that in a different area so not only was I also like I'm managing prep and managing this coursework, but I was also just like in a new environment. And I was like, hey, go make friends. And I was like, what? I was so overwhelming. And it was just a lot. And then again, like just completely identify with um, that feeling of checking out. But then it's, all, it's like, you were, we were man, we were like navigating PEMDAS and like, um, I don't know, like parabolas and stuff. Like, who is she? <laughs> right. But yeah, we're gonna do like it's it's weird, and it's yeah. like, how do you how do you keep the pace, but also realize that maybe this space isn't it's not helping you or conducive to what you really need to like activate your potential, right? Um, and that becomes a whole nother boatload of feelings and things. Now, do you think that, like, do you think that that social dynamic, that sense of, like, when someone is gifted, academically speaking, because mm -hmm. I definitely think if you're, if you're gifted physically, that's a very different thing, but yes, um, if you're gifted mentally, there is that sort of, like, like, I need to keep you, like, beyond arm's length. Do you think that that's something that's endemic to like just being human or like being a kid or is that something more of like a 
societal, you know, the, 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 the society of the school, the society of the neighborhood, you know, something that's more akin to that kind of dynamic. Hmm. I think it might be a combination of the two. Hmm. Um, I think it's interesting because like when we encounter folks who are, um, as you say, like gifted mentally and in that way, sometimes it gets aligned with being ostracized. Mm. Um, and as I think about it a bit more, I think that when, uh, hmm. I think teachers uh, in, in learning spaces, my teachers and mentors were definitely more comfortable with it. I think it was a bit difficult for my peers to kind of reconcile and understand that. And I feel like I kind of got some pushback from um, folks my age and they were like, oh, you're trying to be better. And then that's where you kind of, you hear the framework of being uppity or thinking that you are or just like you're condescending, you want to be better. And sometimes that was even aligned with whiteness. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was such an interesting and yet harrowing concept that folks like me, a visibly dark-skinned Black woman or child at the time, could not possess that intellect or capacity. Um, because that isn't normally aligned with folks who look like me. And mm. that's a very disturbing thought. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking now, and it's like, how was I able to kind of hold that feedback from my peers as a child? Mm. And I don't, know if I, I don't know if I was able to. Probably not. I think I probably internalized a lot of things from a young age that I'm like, um, just starting to have names for and articulate now. And that's, that's wild. Yeah, yeah. I, I vividly remember coming home to hang out with my friends and hearing a lot of comments like, why do you talk so white? Yes. And like, and not, not understanding what that meant at the time, but understanding exactly what they meant. Mm -hmm. the way that they said it yeah. um, and having but then going to like you know especially when I got when I was going to private school going to private school and then being like like oh you sound so ghetto and it being this weird like not like offensive per se like they didn't they didn't mean it as like an insult mm -hmm. but it definitely there was some kind of like negative like smush on it Mm -hmm. uh, but there was also this sense of like, not quite awe, but not far from it, of them being like, it, like wishing that they could sound like that mm -hmm. authentically, and, and <laughs> like being caught in that space of like, like I have I I you know I don't have a reaction to one group of friends saying that I sound white, but mm -hmm. that's very easily sort of like brushed aside. Mm -hmm. But having this other group of people being like, you know, sometimes you sound so ghetto. It's like, I, I had no way, especially at the time, I had no way to 
articulate like how messed up those kinds of comments were. And then add to it the like, <laughs> the parents who were like, oh my, you're so articulate. Oh, you're so well-spoken. And just choosing to take it as a compliment. Because you have, there's no other choice. There's no other option. Right, right. Because if you speak, yeah, and it's like, if you speak out about it and you voice like, hey, that's off. They're like, nah, you should be grateful. This is, this is, this is wonderful. Like, remember, you are a guest mm -hmm. in this element and this space. I have right. afforded you physically and like monetarily. Mm -hmm. I have provided you with this nest egg and you shall take what comes along with it. Yeah, yeah. And and that that's wild. Um I when I think about my experience in navigating um prep and just think about other preparatory programs in general, I wish we had more access to tools that would help us define the socialization that would come with it. Mm -hmm. Um because I don't think that was really present in the dialogue. A lot of it was excel academically, other things will fall into place. And it's like, okay, to a degree things did, but there was a lot of clawing about in the dark and trying to figure out, hey, I'm a t in one way or another, whether it's hearing that you speak a certain way or that knowing that your vernacular is shifting or, um, uh you're modifying it in real time you also realize that you are one of a handful of people who are who look like you who might come from your community and that are entering these spaces that is going to come with a shock on so many different levels whether it be social whether it be financial whether it be like through a gendered lens and even say for example if you are perhaps also navigating um any other orientation or journey you're questioning at this time, that's all compounded. And you're navigating those spaces in your current body while also attending a elite and predominantly white institution. So there are so many different angles that you are just growing. And there are many instances in which I did not feel that support. And I had to either look to those who had either gone to the program or had gone to my school and could kind of share some light or had the bandwidth to kind of take me under their wing. And right. if I was lucky that I was able to find that. And I, I feel that that might not be a universal experience for all the folks who go through these programs. Um, hmm. It was interesting when you mentioned uh, being called ghetto and articulate Mm -hmm. I, I have another, I have a moment and it was so odd. Um, I was, it was my eighth grade English class and it came, I, yeah, I mentioned something. I think we were, we were reading something. Yes, we were reading the lottery, short story, wild. It, okay, you're, sh you're shaking your head, so you know what it's about. Sick. Yeah. It's a fucking weird and twisted tale. Right. But um, 
I commented on it. And at the time I was so thrilled because my English teacher was black. She was, that was the first time that I had a black teacher mm -hmm. in my private school. And she commented on how articulate I was. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what? Because <laughs> I was like, sis, I was maybe one of three people of color in that classroom. And for you to say in front of an audience as a teacher to a student, hey, you sound so articulate right now. I'm like, all right. Um, I bristled because hearing that from other from other peers and counterparts, it puts you on the defensive because you're like, okay, cool. Should, is this not a staple? Is this not a standard? But to hear that from a black woman and someone that I had admired in that educational space, I really just didn't know how to react. Um, and I think that as I continue to navigate different spaces, I have learned that I resent the word articulate because it is so racialized and codified on so many levels. And it just, it frustrates me more than anything else. I think articulate and the word potential. Mm. Um, but those might be, that might be some inner work that I need to navigate, but <laughs> who knows? It's a lot. It's a, it's a, you know, one of the things that I think about, especially about that time, you know, prep and private school before shipping off to, to college. Mm. Um, you know, I, I always wrestle with like, I have my days where I'm like, ah, they did not do a good job of preparing us for all of the other stuff, mm -hmm. right? I We could hang in the classroom with anybody, easy, hands down, eyes closed, hands tied behind your back. Like that, that was not, especially for middle school. Like we were over-prepared yes. um, academically, but uh, dealing with the other kids, dealing with the teachers, dealing with parents, um, dealing with bringing your parents. Uh, it, like it, there, there were so many aspects of, of being a part of the you know, private school world that came as such a shock and then add to that this this sort of subtle pressure to succeed from not just prep mm -hmm. but from you know your your family because now they're looking at you like oh you yeah. went this like prestigious thing quote unquote <laughs> um and you know you've advanced and now you're in this other thing that's like elite and yeah. like, you know you have to you know, you got to go show those those white folks because that's a thing, right? Sorry, you said subtle. Is this subtle pressure? What? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's subtle because at some point, like, you get so busy, and then traveling back and forth, like, at some point, like, I just stopped seeing people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if I didn't, if I didn't choose to go out and see my friends, I never would have saw them. Have, yeah. like, there was so much going on, mm -hmm. uh, but it was, you know, there are all these voices that are like, you have to do well. Yeah. But, you know, high school is, is high, high school anywhere is high school everywhere. <laughs> and, and yeah. you know, the name of the game is like, you just, you have to survive. Yes. But that dynamic is so beyond extreme. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I, I remember the first time I got invited to a bar mitzvah and no idea what it was. Yeah. Right. I showed up for the ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it like and it was one of those things where I got there and I got very comfortable very fast because I was like, mm. oh, like this is something I understand. Right. Church is church is church. Right. 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 Religious ceremonies are religious ceremonies. That's mm-hmm. not that's not a new concept. Mm-hmm. And then we all jumped on a bus that his parents had gotten for us <laughs> to go to the yacht club <laughs> where we had our party. And I just, my mind was blo- like, I, what? I was like, what? We, We're 13. We, right? And I was, I was just, and then to top it all off, all the adults went and got drunk by themselves. And left us to our own devices. I was so bewildered and confused <laughs> and just, I had no. Like, this is what like, y'all do. Oh, wow. Oh, thank God I had rhythm because I I would have been that kid in the corner so fast. That's fair. So confused. So were you the kid in the dance circle then? Because you can't be both. Like, you, it's, it's oh, no, one yeah. or the other. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the only way to survive that kind of situation. Yeah. Because if, if I was the black kid who came to the party who couldn't dance, and I wasn't the black kid who grew up with them in that setting already. Why are you there? Yeah, like I'm I'm just, you know, it's, it's just that, well, he's in your grade, so you have to invite him and then that's mm-hmm. So, you know, I, you know, I always, I always look at prep and I'm like, you you kind of threw us under the bus a little bit and like yeah we did that there was the post placement counselor and you know we did the little trips to like the movies or whatever and you know we went away for like aspects which was just more learning that you that you you like you you presented it in this nice neat little package that was like you get to go away for the weekend and hang out with your friends Yay! But like, right, right, right. And you're gonna learn while you're here. So whatever. Um, But it was, you know, they. I think it would. They just. They kind of distracted us from how hard that was gonna be. That was. Yeah. And it's like you, like we're 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 ten, eleven, twelve. You know, Mm -hmm. the like that's a that's a rough age. That's rough. It really, really is. A lot of that. You know, mm-hmm. especially when you get to that point where they're like oh like we want to we're, we're we're making a new brochure for the school we were wondering if we could take your photo yep <laughs> like uh, i've been having, here a month calm down yeah you know uh, we're having an open house uh we were wondering if you know you could you know give out tours and like talk to the parents and the kids and they're very sweet about it and like very very nice you know until it's like oh we're gonna pay for a cab for you to go home how much is it uh it's like 40 bucks uh yeah yeah we could do that yeah that's fine and you're like did you did you not know like were you not literally yeah did you, did you forget exactly like, um uh, yeah yeah that's always a like a funky a funky time for me yeah uh, how did you respond to like the like the the whole private school of color speaks on social media I think 
it was very sobering, but it also just um, solidified that this feeling of performative belonging is universal. Mm. Um, I wasn't surprised by it at all. And that is the sad part, you know? Like you hear these stories. I remember like even when, um, when we, uh, I remember like when we would get together for like holiday dinners and we could go outside and stuff, I, you, we would like chat and um, you would ask me like, how's school going? And I was like, it's going, things are happening. We're doing it. <laughs> and you were like, uh-huh. And the thing is you, you like, you wouldn't ask, uh further or like prior or anything but there was also this undercurrent of like we understood what that meant and exactly you're exactly like you're shaking your head now and it's like yeah you know what that means so to see all of these posts and to see these conversations about all of these schools speaking out it just reminded me that there's so much work to be done um, with regards to actually creating equitable, equitable spaces and elevating communities that do not have access to these resources and things. Mm -hmm. And it goes far beyond um, these initiatives. Um, it's a lot to hold and deal with. And my heart goes out to folks who are navigating these spaces. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. How about you? How was that for you? Uh, it was bittersweet. Um, mm. You know, I think there's a lot that like I saw but didn't see from that time mm -hmm. just because mm -hmm. surviving took so much energy. Energy. Yes. Um, so you could only get, you know, but so involved mm -hmm. in things. Um, and I was I was very much a doer, mm. but within a doer. Um, mm. So you know I was activity this and club that. You know I was constantly yeah. everywhere. Yep. Um, you know my mindset was like, I'm here and there are all of these resources. Let me take advantage. Like why not? Um, and around the, that was around the time I started performing. Like there was a lot that sort of like came together around the same time. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I lucked out in that I became really good friends with someone whose family had some deep pockets. Mm. Um, so I think that insulated me from a lot. Mm. Um, like it, it just in terms of like the administration, if they if if the thought ever came for them to like do anything in my direction, like. It, it wasn't very quiet that this this kid and I were friends. Nice. Um, so it wasn't like I wouldn't have somebody to go to bat for me if something were to go like awry. Right. Uh, I couldn't say that about everybody else mm -hmm. of color who was at school. Yeah. Um, and I was visible. I was very very visible. I I was performing. I was doing tours. I was doing. I did everything. I, I did right. it all. Um, so. You know, I, I definitely had a little bit of a bubble, mm -hmm. uh, but in the middle of it, a bunch of us got together to like chat 
and like hearing their stories about what they went through it was like like it's like it's not like it's not like I didn't know mm-hmm. you know it's not like I didn't know what was going on it's not like I didn't know <clears throat> that it was there yeah. but hearing the details of it were j- like were just it, it was horrifying mm-hmm. um you know the stories of of students being called the wrong name by faculty members that they shared group meetings with on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Like you have looked me in the face once a week for several, like for an extended amount of time. Yeah. And we meet face to face and you go, okay, you are this person and I'm telling you that I am not. And you're telling me that I'm wrong. And I'm telling you that this person has already graduated. Oh, and that's is cute. A member of the school community. Wow, that's so cute. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and, and you know, like stories like that, like it's just, you, you know, you start to realize like just how much gets swept under the rug, mm-hmm. you know, or you hear stories where, you know, student A, who's a person of color, mm-hmm. was like stole something like innocuous. Mm. Like it was something like small, like something trifling and was expelled for it mm-hmm. student b who was not a person of color and whose parents have got some space in their pockets financially yep. um the school offered to help they sent them to like a rehab you know a pro mm-hmm. like they kind of like almost bent over backwards mm-hmm. to try and provide assistance um so it's, uh, you know it's it was that thing of, of being like thankful that I, I was able to like skate through yeah. somewhat unscathed, unscathed. Mm-hmm. but like feeling very bad for those who are in it now yeah. um, because the school looks obviously looks very different mm-hmm. kind of on the backs of a lot of the stuff that we did yeah. when we were there um, you know they've got more money they've got more funding blah 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 mm-hmm. and it's you know it's that it's that it's that whole idea of like I'm I'm gonna make money off of you. Yeah. Um and as long as we're in the win column, it's green lights all day. We can yeah. we can do whatever we want. You wanna go play, play, it's fine. But the minute you you like your like toenail crosses the line. Yep. All of a sudden, you're highly aware of the fact that I'm a person of color, and you know I don't, mm-hmm. I don't have I'm on scholarship, and da, 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 and it's like what? Yeah. Like before, when I made you look good, none of that mattered, exactly. right? But the minute it might look bad for you, mm-hmm. or you know, it validates some of the more demeaning voices that are out there. Mm-hmm. as opposed to like facing it yeah. head on you go oh i'll just we'll just push that like to the side and sweep it under the rug oh it was a one-off we'll just right. you know um so it was it was a it was a rough like couple of weeks yeah. to to sort of like hear those stories and these are like my friends you know what i mean like i exactly. need these so it, yeah. it, it cut it definitely cut 
it's a painful reminder that when we're in these spaces, we're, we're on borrowed time. Um, and that hurts a lot. And you mentioned just how taxing it was energy-wise. It, like, it, it, it was a lot to like do well in school, stack your extracurriculars, know that application season was coming up. God forbid, if you were also like an athlete, you had other shit going on, how could you manage it and have a social life, show up, not even just perform, but exceed mm -hmm. expectations? <laughs> I feel... Sometimes it's, you are so distracted from the writing on the wall, you know? And I feel like sometimes microaggressions, regardless of how micro they might be, they are so sneaky and invasive and they occupy all of the spaces that you're in to the point where you don't eat, you just become so accustomed to them. Like they just kind of seep in. You're like, oh, this is what it is. And that's not what it is. It's not. Um, and that really sucks. And I think to your point about having a bubble, I didn't, I didn't have, I had a couple of instances where my hair might've rose a little bit on my arms and stuff, but nothing overt to the point where like, I had to tag in my mom and be like, mom, we got to show up. We got to go talk to the head man. We got to go do something. No, that I was very fortunate enough for that not to be the case. I had a fantastic group of friends and many of whom are still my ride or dies. And I love that. Um, I also know that that's not a universal experience, um, but I think it is possible, especially as I reflect now, um, having graduated from both college, high school and everything, you can hold space for these truths and know and acknowledge that they are both very valid. Mm. Uh, that's wild. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was um I know going like going to college for me was like a it was like it was like a gift. <laughs> like it ju just if I could have stayed four years straight without like mm -hmm. I would have done that. Like that's mm -hmm. you know, like not to say that like my college experience was perfect. Sure. But um just being away from everything, I think oh. was just a great weight lifted off of my shoulders. Yeah. Um, would, uh, was that was that your experience going on? Mm. Or? Hmm. Yes and no. Mm. Uh, I, I love my college experience, it was really solid wonderful chance to just kind of just having access to resources <laughs> and <laughs> literally <laughs> having, having the access to the resources and being able having that liberty to use them in the way that I found beneficial to me as I was becoming like building my own adult that was so sick and I love that um so that freedom was definitely liberating uh also didn't hurt that I received an incredibly generous scholarship 
like supremely. <laughs> I look back on it now and it's like, I see the price tag and I'm like, holy shit. There was absolutely no way that that would have been possible without that support. Right. Um, but also like it was equal parts hard as well. Cause, and it's also like, um, I went to women's college mm-hmm. and that was dope. That also came with its own host of um, preconceived notions mm-hmm. uh, about like, oh, okay, well, how is she going to find a partner? How is she going to, it literally, exactly, you laugh and I'm like, I'm literally here to get a fucking degree. I don't give shits about this stuff. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, uh, it wasn't as far away from home as I would have liked, but I mean, like having a quaint little New England experience is also really cute. My mom thought it was great, so that's fine. <laughs> and it, it was a very welcomed escape, but it was also, it was something that I was used to. You know, mm-hmm. like coming from New York, going to a smaller city, already having that independent school experience and being slowly accustomed to what that culture shock might be for some. I think I was very, I was able to acclimate at a level that might've been a bit smoother than that of my peers, mm-hmm. especially for folks who were coming from smaller, like more rural or different areas where like coming to college was huge and just, just like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was a very welcomed breath of fresh air. Would I want to do it? Go back? I don't know. No. Oh no! 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 I'm no! Never writing a paper ever. That is not. I that. I thought about it for like half a second, and there are some aspects of school that don't mm-hmm. bother me. Yeah. But the the. You know, essay formatting and mm-hmm. bibliographies. What mm-hmm. notes? I don't care. I don't. I don't. I don't. I, I really yeah. don't care if I could do without that yeah. and still get the thing then mm-hmm. in a heartbeat. I get it. That's but fair. I, ju- I, I just, I can't, I, I, I can't, I just can't. Uh, that might be where we're different. Like I'm also, it doesn't help that I'm a writer. So like I, I live for this shit. Um, <laughs> it's like, get, you have just do this thing. I'm like, yeah, love it. Uh, I don't know. Could what I do it all over again? Mm, maybe. Some aspects I would like to do over. Like I probably wouldn't have declared myself like pre-med and a neuroscience major when I knew that I was literally like an artist and English major major bleeding at the seams. <laughs> um <laughs> but otherwise, no, nah, it was pretty solid. I, I'm very grateful for that was uh so many so was was college where that that love of of art in various forms sort of really took root no um I on it sounds so cliche but I have that I have that one definitive moment in my childhood when I was like that's what I want to do um I I, it was either my fourth or fifth birthday I was so blessed to have 
the chance to see The Lion King on Broadway. Mm. I actually went with our aunt and I like had, I was, my mom was, she dolled me up to the nines and I'm like, never forget, had this wonderful flouncy dress and like the black platinum leather shoes and the, like the white lace socks. Typical, you, come on, exactly. You, that is when you were showing up and showing out. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Mm -hmm. um, I saw the Lion King and I reflect on that like more than 20 years later and there was, it's, it was such a, moving experience to see such a vivid story come to life, mm -hmm. regardless of how problematic it might be years later reflecting on it. But I knew that this is a way that we could tell stories and it ignited something in me. And I was like, I wanna do that, you know? And I think that I've always held on to that spirit and that fire. However, going through prep and the lanes that I, I occupied, there wasn't as much intrinsic value placed on the arts and creativity as it was finance, science, medicine, business. If you're, if you, if it's like, if you're in a progressive enough space, it's all right. But art, it's like, yeah, that's a cute hobby. And I was like, okay. So that would also explain why when I entered into college, I was a pre-med track uh, neuroscience major. Because part of me was like afraid to kind of live that truth mm -hmm. as boldly as I needed to. But I feel that the further you kind of try to cast that into the shadows, it has a way of showing up and it's inescapable. And that kind of brings you to that realization that, hey, this might be what you need to be doing in life. And that's okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But now we've been an artist for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I can't. How about you? Yes, tell me, tell me, tell me. I, I'm trying to think. Um, I think I've always, to some degree, like, performed a little. Mm-hmm. Um, Part of that is because for a long time, like I was the, like one of the only kids. Mm -hmm. Like there's like Tisha's been in mm -hmm. a bunch of them like there. And then there's like you guys. Yeah, you were the in-between kid. And then it's, like me and Sean and like, mm -hmm. and kind of his sister, but not really. Like it was just the two of us. Yeah. And um, because of his mom, Sean's story is, all over the place mm -hmm. um so there was a lot of like you know here's the kid you know here's the boy who could um kind of feeling yeah and so I think that that lent itself to me being somewhat like performative mm. um I'll never forget probably like right around maybe a little bit before prep mm -hmm. Um, we were together for, I want to say Christmas. Mm. Um, so long ago. That's very much important. <laughs> um, and I was, I don't know, I was cutting up being silly. And my mom turns to me and she goes, Ugh, you're such a little actor. Go away. <laughs> and like, for what, and it's not like she didn't make comments like that all the time. Yeah. But for whatever reason, that like stuck in my brain. Mm -hmm. with such authority yes and from then on like I was hooked mm -hmm. um, 
And then when I was in <clears throat> high school, because uh, when I got into middle school, I was like, I'm going to do theater. Like, <laughs> I know it. Like, I'm just, you know, yeah. holy gods. Um, <laughs> and the the woman who ran the dance program at my school, uh, well, backtrack. For the end of eighth grade year, a bunch of the kids who were doing dance put on a show. Mm. And one of them came up to me and they were like, so we need guys <laughs> and you have rhythm. So like, can you do me a solid? And it was one of those things where I was kind of like, I'm not doing anything. All right, that's fair. Perfectly on par for eighth grade. Right, it was near the end of the year. Like I was like, yeah. all of, I mean, I'm talking like when winter came, sport. Like, yes. like fall sport, winter mm-hmm. sport, spring, like I was yeah. all over it. Um, and like just through happenstance, the season was over. So, yeah. you know, when she approached me, it literally was like, she was like, it's in a couple weeks, but like, I'll, I'll help you through the whole thing. And I was like, no, it's fine. Like, mm-hmm. let's, yeah, fine. Mind you, you know, I've been seeing, I've watched Garth and company dance since mm-hmm. I was, like so jealous i mean I, I mean i've been to so many so you know dance for me isn't like super duper foreign i have done right. i had done dance shows prior to that but i kind of like walked away from it because i was mm-hmm. like sports yes yes oh my gosh <laughs> I'm flex I'm flex these muscles <laughs> yes. um, and you know came in you know did, did learned it and they were like oh wow you learned that fast so i was like wasn't that but okay whatever um did the thing and the 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 woman who ran the dance program after it was all done she came up to me and she was like i know you're about this acting thing but i really think that dance is for you and i literally i almost laughed in her face like i was almost i was like i just stopped myself (sighs) it was very much like a like a what you, what you know? Tell me, tell yeah, me uh, <laughs> Freshman year comes and mm. they do like a big dance concert every year. Mm. Um, and curiosity got the best of me. Damn, um, it always does. Slash a pretty girl invited me to be in her dance. So, you know, two plus two equals. You're human. Yes, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but their thing, she was like, you guys will be in my dance because I need like X amount of dudes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but everyone who is in the show has to audition, has to like go through the audition process. Like okay. that's the only like rule. So you just like just show up and like do your best. But when you audition, you audition for everybody, yeah. right? You don't just get to like come in and be like, I'm doing herpes <laughs> and then out, right? Yeah. And I, I did did the audition da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. I, and then when I was at her piece it was like oh shocker hey but then I got tapped by like a couple of other people who were like hey. mm-hmm. right so that was like sort of the first like foray into that um mm-hmm. and I was kind of like all right again like I have time like it's not like I'm not right um and I figured it out and about a, a couple weeks into it another freshman another guy comes to me and he's like so I had this idea for like choreography and I was like that's nice um 
And like before I know it, we're like choreographing this duet together. Oh snap! Okay. Like, like and I don't know if he planned it that way, but like that 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 initial conversation where mm-hmm. I was kind of like, you and your thoughts, like <laughs> you just always have them, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> like it, it it graduated into like this whole thing. Yeah. Um, and we weren't officially slated to be choreographers for the show, da da da. But he was like, we should do it for the show. And I was like, you go talk to. <laughs> You go talk to them about that. Like, I me find out. Yeah, if you want to do it, we can do it. Like, I'm not. I'm not you were so nonchalant. Although I, I feel like you were down for the cause. I, I like. I, I was never. I wasn't because again, I was still in that mindset of like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna like you know, basketball, track, baseball, like baseball, country. Like I was. Oh yeah, I I played. Oh, dude, I played um, softball. We'll have to talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I was. Okay. I would, I would doubt it. Um. Yeah. And we get to like our <clears throat> showing, right? Mm-hmm. Where like everyone shows like their progress. Yeah. Um, and finally they're like, well, we're taking a break. So you two go ahead and show us like what you got. Cause he's been like talking it up like nonstop. Just so is one. Okay. Yes, going. So we're mm-hmm. like, all right. Yeah. All right. So we gotta do this. I'm like, dude, relax. <laughs> like, just, like calm down, like you're doing the most right now. Like chill out. Yeah. And we do our thing, and seeing the looks on the two dance teachers' faces, mm. I think was the moment where it occurred to me that like this might be a thing. Like being on stage doing like this might be yeah a thing that I that I could get behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they played it cool. I'll give them credit because they were like. They saw it and they were like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I think the thing that really, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm hooked. Mm-hmm. When they came out and they were like, all right, we're going to let you be in the show. And then when they made the order, we closed the show. Look at that. Look at that. And I was like, like that moment of validation was yep. like, I was like, whoa, that's whoa. Like, mm-hmm. I don't perform a lot, but I know that that is not. That's huge. That's a big deal. Um, yes. Yeah, like that, that going through that progression of that like four, three and a half to four months or so. Yeah. Um, after that, it was like sports took like a major backseat. And yeah. I was plays <clears throat> and dances and shows. And mm-hmm. I was like, I was, I was ready, ready. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's that's what got me hooked on like, okay, I really might because I've always you know I always daydreamed like yeah, you know, especially going to the movies. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up in the era of not just like Denzel and Morgan, but um, like Mario Van Peebles yes. and um, Don Cheadle. Uh, very early Don Cheadle, early, yeah. Um, but like I grew up with like you know two two seven and uh, I mean a lot of actors who like have kind of faded into like obscurity now. But mm-hmm. for whatever reason, at the time, there were just a lot of black actors who had a presence, right? They weren't yeah. just like, oh, but like exactly. you know they they were doing something and they could be seen. Yeah. Uh, so 
somewhere in the back of my mind, there was this idea that like, there, there is space for people who look like me to do that. Right. Especially when I was looking at, you know, productions that were like, they were produced by Bill Cosby. They were produced by uh, Denzel Washington. They were produced by the Van Peebles family. They were, you know, like you, you're seeing them like put more of those kinds of stories out. Yep. Sadly, that took a pause, but, um, you know, especially like it was like the rise of like Spike Lee. Um, yeah. So, like, I remember, um, you know, Mo Bit of Blues and uh, Malcolm X and mm. just, you know, in a, mm-hmm. because it was his money, <laughs> essentially he didn't yeah. have to hold back in the same way he could he could let it out you know he could exactly. really put it out there um so it was mm-hmm. it was a very different time in terms of like you know the silver screen but oh, it was yeah. that also very felt like very very far away yeah you know do like, you feel that that's a, sorry continue uh no it's just you know it was especially as a kid it, it, it felt very much like that's my imagination you know that's not that's not real um, yeah you know fast forward to like freshman year and I, it, it was like oh this is possible it, it could it could be real like it could mm-hmm. be you know it could be real yeah uh, you were gonna ask yeah i was going to ask if do you think that it's more tangible now knowing that you have dedicated more of your time and energy to creating. And I want to say, I, yeah, initially I wanted to say dedicating more time to performance, but I feel as though it's, it's probably more than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, I think that a lot has changed since that era of, of entertainment. Um, and it definitely lived in a in a mm-hmm. world that we would consider like very traditional. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm gonna go and get me like a, an agent, and you know, I'm gonna do like some bit parts and like work my way up. Yeah. And you know, th- this idea of like self starting wasn't really as prevalent. You know, a Tyler Perry, a Spike Lee, a, a, an Oprah, those guys are like at the time they were like giants among giants. Because mm-hmm. for a person of color to, to gain that kind of influence mm-hmm. and not be a singer, not be a, an athlete, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that was like, a, those were very Huge. like one-offs among one-offs. Um, so, you know, there was a lot about that time while it was like, ah, I see myself. Mm-hmm there was still this element of they are like special among special um i think you know right now when i look out into the world you know the the special that i see in those those kinds of figures um doesn't feel so it just, you know, a lot, like, they put in the work, they put in the time, they put in the effort, they put in the energy, and yes, there's, there's something about them that is, you know, there's an X factor to a lot of them, 
but there's an X factor to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've I've gained enough experience that sure. I can meet some like truly talented people, like like amazing performers, um, and no one knows who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, outside of the very small dance yeah. world, very small like actor world here in New York. Um, right. So, you know, the, the thing I think I've, I've keyed into over the years is like the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta put that work in. I mean, I remember going to see, um, I went to see Julius Caesar on Broadway when, when Denzel Washington was in it. Sick. Um, and while he was memorable in it, mm-hmm. he was not the person that stood out to me. I like that. Right? There, there were a couple of other actors that I, I walked away and I was like, oh, they are like amazing. Like, mm-hmm. um, or going to see, um, I went to see A Raisin in the Sun when Puffy was in it, unfortunately, but. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that was a thing. Yeah, like, I remember they got so much press and I was like, okay, cool, yeah. cool, cool, cool. Uh, but Audra McDonald was in it. Felicia Rashad was in it. And Sanaa Lathan was in it. And the Trinity. Like I just I just remember being like like being blown away by an experience. Like that mm-hmm. that was that was one of the first times that I was just like like not even not even once the show like mid show like while watching yep yes like like ruined like not, crying because then i can share a story or no um a little bit like <sighs> okay never mind then but like yeah, just I'm being sure. so awe-inspiring that like okay. like even remember it i'm like oh my god um because i didn't i for long, uh, felicia rashad i knew like i was i'm well aware of how capable yeah. that woman is right <laughs> But like seeing it up close was like, it was like, oh, I didn't know. Like I knew, but I didn't know. Exactly. But seeing her and Audra McDonald sort of like go back and forth, like it sort of made me fall in love with theater and acting. Like, yeah. like I wanted to do that. Forget like being on stage. Like I wanted to, ha- to have that kind of dynamic yes. on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, being so present with another actor <clears throat> that you don't just invite the audience in, you like forcibly suck them in. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Like just, just, you know, it was, it was unreal. It's not Lathan too, that like, I was like, like I knew that she could act and I knew that she had something. Yeah. Um, but seeing it in person was like, I was like, oh, like she can, like they were holding her back. Got it. Like she can bring the thunder. Yeah. Um, and then have it be this like spectrum of people of color on top of mm-hmm. it. So, you know, it was, it was, it was that, that like, like watching Fences in the movie theater with mm-hmm. um, Viola Davis. Yeah. It, you know, like those moments where you're like, it's not, it's beyond that sense of like, I want to do that or, or I want to, I want to be that yeah. or like I felt that. It's, it's something mm-hmm. that goes beyond your ability to describe um, 
so you know when I look out at the world now I think you know art isn't going anywhere you know it's and I think the the landscape has changed a lot <laughs> mm-hmm. um and I think that there are a lot more opportunities for um I don't want to say non-traditional because I, I feel mm-hmm. like it implies something that I don't actually believe. Right. Um, but there's a lot, there's opportunity for a multitude of voices mm-hmm. to be heard. Yes. Uh, and I think that, that that reality more than anything else makes me optimistic about performing more. Right. Because there, there are so many avenues. There's mm-hmm. so many platforms there are so many people looking for performers like I got an audition notice where I can't say too much but uh, (laughs) I got an audition notice where they were like we want you to perform your monologue as a dance piece whoa so like you like do your monologue yeah but only through movement like you can't talk right and I was like that's genius that's, that's ex- my exact initial reaction like yeah. i wanted to be like that's weird and dumb but i was like yeah oh no, actually that's kind of like i gotta i gotta actually like sit with that one for a bit like i can't just mm-hmm. i can't just like you know yeah bring it out real exactly quick. um but yeah you know i think i think the world of of you know i won't limit it to performing but the world of art is expanding uh, to take advantage of of what's out there, uh, to take advantage of social media, to take advantage of the technology, to take it, you know, to take advantage of of the various movements that are there, to take, you know, Mm -hmm. like uh, art will always be a reflection of of the world um, that that sparks it. And that's never, that's never not gonna be a thing. You know, exactly. um, it doesn't make it easy by any stretch of the imagination. You know, going back to the conversation that we had, you know, all those years ago, <laughs> yeah, um, when we sat down, you know, it it doesn't make it easy, um, but you know, opportunity, you know, it's there. It's, it it's there. if you're willing to put the work in, it's it's definitely there. Agreed. Um, yeah. Well. Going back to that audition notice, that sounds baller. So I hope that that pans <laughs> out. And yes, we yeah. need that. Me too. Yeah, I have to do that. Just remind Please me. do. <laughs> uh, what? Uh, uh, okay. What did prompt you to reach out all those years ago? I think I was tired of denying a part of myself Mm. you know because I mean it um as I mentioned I've always I've always wanted to be an artist and create and tell stories I think though I was okay with relegating that creation to just being a hobby you Mm. know but it got harder as I became more present um whether it be in school productions or choral concerts and things like that 
and it, it somewhat becomes undeniable and it's annoying when you receive that outward validation, mm -hmm. that external validation. People are like, oh shit, you did that? I was like, yeah, I guess so, whatever. But then, <laughs> and the same, but at the same time, you're just like, yeah, I did that. That was all right, but <laughs> right, <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. And then that was when I started dipping my toe in it and into performing and into um, voice in particular. Um, but I, I, I didn't, I didn't have the vocal training, you know. I and I was like, just being so used to seeing that, I felt that that was the prerequisite to kind of take it seriously. Um, but then I acquired the training, I acquired the opportunities, and I was like, the passion and the fire is still there. I tried to suppress it; it didn't work. So then I, I guess that was just my sign from the universe of like, hey this is a thing you should be doing with your time, body, spirit, all of the above. And then I was like, shit, I guess you're right. Who do I know? <laughs> I was like, I have this realization now. Who can I reach out to, to kind of understand or to kind of just give it to me straight, you know? Cause I mean, like you have your, you have your informational calls and you speak to folks who are, navigating or just navigating the industry and the space just trying to create and it's like it took me a, way, a really long time to understand that creation cannot happen like art does not happen in a vacuum I, you I get that but also like you are supremely lucky if all you have to think about is creating your art you don't have to worry about bills. You don't have to worry about a livelihood. If all you have to focus on is creating art, that is truly a blessing. That's not the reality for a lot of people. So for me, I just, I wanted to understand like, how does it, like, how does it actually feel to be in productions, to, uh, to be creating art, to perform in a non-collegiate space, you know? Yeah. And I was very grateful. And I mean, like, true, we didn't really chat that much outside of our family gatherings, but when we did, it, it felt great and it felt honest and authentic. And it was always like, it was jovial, but I always walked away with a sense of understanding and just like having learned something. So I was like, hey, can we get ramen? And then can you tell me about your life story and how do I do the things that you're doing right now? And you were like, bet. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, this is so great. <laughs> that is literally how it happened. Yeah. Um, and I'm so grateful that I did. I really, really am. Cause it gave me a, it gave me a, a new perspective that wasn't as drab as I thought it would be, you know, mm -hmm. because I think we're so used to being confronted with the idea of a, the tortured artist and the struggling actor and like, hey, if you are actually trying to do this thing, it's going to be painful. You're going to be uh, destitute. And it, just so many negative things that kind of spoil the, the journey and um, that's not to say that the journey is going to be easy and light by no circumstances no but it's filled with just growth mm. and you have to be open and willing to accept that growth but also 
make sure that you're channeling your energy in a direction that can propel you forward, mm. you know? And I think that that was, that was something that, um, that was a huge takeaway from my reaching out and just saying, Hey, how do we do the thing? Yeah, no, no. Hey, like I, <laughs> you know, one of, one of the things that my, my business partner and I have really gravitated towards probably more so in the last like year or so than we have like ever but has always been like a thing for us is that um the the information and the experience that we have isn't like precious um and like there's a certain level of like commodification that comes with that but um at the end of the day like the things that, that I have gained don't stop with me. Right. Um, and the, the greatest service that I can do to those experiences mm-hmm. is to pay them forward. Because I remember what it was, what it was like coming out of school and, you know, feeling very like, like I got this and like, kind of like I know what I'm doing, but like, feeling uneasy because like I didn't really know what I was doing and I'll never forget like (laughs) my mom took me to see uh, a show from uh, like a self-produced company Mm -hmm. Um, and she was like they're so amazing like they're great and I was like okay whatever Um, and they were they were really good the show was really really funny and it was great and she introduced me to the, the the woman who runs the company and it was such like an awkward experience. Mm. She was like, this is my son and he acts. And I was like, uh. Thanks mom. Uh, and she was like, oh, okay. And I was kind of like, yeah. I, uh, I do the thing maybe. Right. And then a um, couple months passed and she's like, hey, we're doing a show. Like, I think mm. I have a part for you, like come audition. Mm-hmm. And I, I will never forget this as long as I live. I walked into the audition. Yeah. It was her and another gentleman who worked with her, who was an actor. Um, and then mm-hmm. I was auditioning with another young woman. Mm-hmm. And like, I was so like nervous, but trying mm-hmm. like not to be nervous. Yeah. That like, when I like went in to do it, it just, it was just wrong. Like I just, mm-hmm. like it just didn't. And she was like, no, like that's not, that's not real. Like you're not, that's not real life. Don't do it like that. Don't. Mm-hmm. And then she takes the paper out of my hand, right? She takes the mm-hmm. side and she hands it to the other guy. Yeah. And she's like, watch him, watch how he does it. Right. And I stood to the side and I, and like at first I was kind of like, watch how he does it. Like, you know, because I'm, I'm thinking like, I went to, exactly. you know, yeah. You did. I have, you know, trade, right? Mm-hmm. And he went in and did it. And I was like, oh. Oh, okay. That's that's what this is about. Okay. <laughs> and in that moment, I saw like my two choices, right? The first yeah. on one side was like, I ain't shit. Mm-hmm. Like, why did I think I could do this? Like, I'm just wasting my time. Right. Yeah. The other path was like, did she just tell this dude to show me how to do my job? Oh, I don't like that. That's not cool. I'm not a fan of that. Nah. at all like yes I went to this school and I got this training like get over myself 
like I just I kind of like just shook it off and I and luckily like that's the route I chose like like I was impressed but I was like offended how dare you <laughs> like tell somebody like no like I'm I'm gonna do it mm-hmm. and she she hired me and like I did the show and all was good I had I was in two scenes mm-hmm. I think I had like a max like 10 lines I spent most of the show backstage mm-hmm. um and we did two weekends like six six shows okay something like that I forget and when we got at the end of the last show, it was, oh my God, so great. High fives. Da, 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 da. And I'll never forget this. I walked out. And as I was like, while I was like leaving to go home, I was like, she's never going to call me again. Mm. Like, I just knew it in my heart. I had no Why? evidence. Uh, I just, it wasn't, it wasn't so much that like, I didn't think I did well. Mm. You know, I, I, I was like, I did, I did fine. I played the part that I was supposed to play. Right. Um, but I felt like, like the world still had too much sway over what was going on on stage. Mm-hmm. And like, I just, like, I just, I, I, I feel like I didn't equip myself to a level that would be like, ooh, I need you to come back and be a part of this. Like, was it a good show? Yes. Did I do my job? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's just, there's a thing that you get that's like, you, I, I want you to come back. Like, that's a very different feeling. And I just, I was like, I'm, it's just not going to happen. And I was okay with that. Like, I was like, it's just, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Such is the nature of things, but like filed away in terms of like experience. Like mm-hmm. now I know that these are some things that I need to just have in my back pocket going forward. Okay, cool. Yeah. That was like fall. I want to say that was like August, September. Fast forward December, I get a phone call. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's it's so and so. Do you remember me? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, so we're doing a show in three weeks, and um, one of my actors quit. Mm-hmm. And I remember that like you get off book real fast. Um, and this is uh this would be like a supporting lead role. You'll be with this other guy who you remember from the last time. I was like, yeah, yeah. Um, and like, it, it'll be like, it'll be a step up from your last role. To that. And, I, and again, literally I was doing nothing. <laughs> I was like, let's go. Yeah. yeah. Right. Crazy story is that first show that I did with her, mm-hmm. the lead was Uzo. Yes, I know. It's it's a wild, it is a wild, wild thing. How did you not tell me this? I've heard this story, yeah. but yeah. you just left that. Yeah, is the lead was Uzo, who played her, like she was the lead and she slaughtered that part. I mean, just tore it a new one, like, smacked it flipped it readjust the whole thing like killed it like and part of the reason why i wasn't even upset because me being backstage meant that i could just sit and watch and And listen yeah yeah jeez yeah yeah so i come in the play is 117 pages long right i love it i love it and i'm thinking like 
three scenes to like six or seven, right? Like, I'm thinking it's like a like a da da da. Narrator voice. It was not three scenes. Yeah, the 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 dude is the main character. I am his best friend, and Love I'm it. along for the ride, the entire play. I come in. I'll never forget this. I'm I come in for the first rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Everyone's off book. I was about to ask. Everyone is off book. I'm sitting here with this monster of a script, Mm -hmm. right? And not only are they all off book, but they are all giving for the gods. So they don't care that I have a script in my hand. They don't care that I don't know any. You're going to take what I'm giving you. I haven't even like read it. I'm just, I'm just along for the ride at this point, right? And they are giving life. Mm. And again, it was one of those moments where it was like, mm-hmm. I can build and yep. be like, well, you know, I don't know it and did it, right? And, or I could be like, I'm gonna give it right mm-hmm. back. And mm-hmm. it, it was one of those things where it was like, I will not, I will not shy away from this. Mm. Um, and that, like those stories, like those kinds of experiences, it's just like, you don't, you're not going to get that at school. Yeah. You know, you don't always get that at acting workshop, you know, special six week seminar, you know, like it, those, those spaces don't always give you that kind of information. Right. And part of that is that like, there's a certain amount of investment in your success, right? Yes. Like you're paying the teacher to learn these things, it, it makes it a really hard for me to turn around and be like, uh, you suck, pay me, yeah. right? Like that, that's, a, that's a very difficult conversation. So it's, you know, it, it, I very quickly started to realize that there's a massive gap between like school mm-hmm. learning, like more codified learning mm-hmm. and like actual doing. Yes. And I, I lamented seeing students that I worked with as I moved forward, not having that information and coming in with these like mm-hmm. big dreams and like all doe-eyed and it's like, that's great. And that enthusiasm is amazing. And I don't wanna dim that for you, but there, there's some real life that I need you to be aware of before you walk in there because it, it, they might cut you down unintentionally before you really even had a chance to like grow. Um, yeah, you know. So I think back. I think back to those like early moments when like I really didn't know. Now I won't say anything because obviously, like, you know, I wasn't coming to it brand new. Right. But I did a lot, a lot of on the job mm-hmm. learning. Um, same thing when I I finally was like, oh, I'm going to start doing like film stuff, right. right? And you walk in and they just start. You know, they've all been there. Mm-hmm. Actually, if like in terms of the crew, like right. This is day number one thousand one hundred and fifty-three. You know what I mean? Like they've been, they've been there. They've been, yeah. So they don't, they don't have the kind of time to spare. Yeah. For like, oh, you're brand new. That's cute, right? They don't care. Mm-hmm. You're you are a name next to a number on a page. Yeah. Um, especially when you talk about doing like background work. So. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, anyone who wants to do film, I would suggest you do 
a couple dozen background gigs because it is a great way to just watch and soak up information. Right. Because there's a lot of lingo that is unique to that, like anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but they talk to you like you should know it. You know, yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll never forget, we get there. He was like, all right, so this is going to be your one. All right. And then on the day, you're going to go this way and you're going to hang on left. Right. And then when we reset, you'll come back to here. Got it. All right, guys, we're going to hold. We're holding in our ones. Got it. And I, and I remember listening to that and being like, like I had that, that like, I looked yeah. around for Got someone it. else to sort of be like, did you yeah. understand? And everyone was like, okay, cool. Gotcha. Oh, yes. And I was like, right. So I am just going to do what everyone else does. And right, exactly. we're gonna pick, right. And there's a lot of terms like that. That's like, Mm-hmm. It it like it makes sense, but it's so it's so unique to that that unless mm-hmm. you've taken like a number of film courses, right? It it's you might as well be speaking French. Like I, I um, <laughs> exactly. But it was it was a great like when I realized like you know when I caught up to the curve, mm-hmm. I could actually enjoy it for what it was. Right. There was a lot that I learned about being a principal actor for film Mm -hmm. and I started to pick out those differences between that versus what I had learned as a theater actor right and and like making those mental notes for myself like oh that's that's very different I that's Mm -hmm. I need to be aware of uh that that's 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 kind of the same right I can I can use that right there's some cheats that I got in here oh Mm -hmm. that's a thing that I never even considered as being something that I would need to be aware of. Right. So it's, you know, there, there's a lot of that, that that I was able to pick up really quickly early on. Mm-hmm. So when the moment came where like I got an audition and I got that phone call of like, you're gonna do this thing, this is the day, you're gonna go over here, da da And I was like, oh. Um, it wasn't this big like shock for me. It was like, okay, we're doing that, cool, got it. Right, like I could, I could enjoy the process more because I'd already done like all of that homework, right, on the other side of it. Um, And again, like being able to to tell those kinds of stories, right? If you're lucky enough to walk in and get you an audition and you're going to be, you know, first team right away, go, have fun. Um, But for most of us, that's not the case, you know. Right. (laughs) Right, most of us, most of us swim pretty deep into the background pool uh, yeah. before getting those kinds of opportunities. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you know, it's it's work, and you mm-hmm. you meet a lot of people and yeah. you shake a lot of hands, and that is just as important. Uh, but there, you know, I started to recognize that, like. taking advantage of living in a place like New York where Mm -hmm. everything happens here. Um, You know, like if if there is a form of art and it isn't here, it's a, isn't here yet, not Mm -hmm. isn't here at all. You know what I mean? Like everything finds its way here. So, you know, being lucky enough to be here means that as I'm looking around, I also need to consider that there are avenues outside of mainstream, we'll call it, um, 
So it doesn't have to be super commercial, mm -hmm. you know, and that, and that experience is just important, just as important of a currency as credit. Right. Whereas like most places where you go, they're like, get those credits, 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 credit, credit. <laughs> right. Um, and like that, that is a thing, like you, you definitely want to have that, but, um, if you don't have the experience to back it up, yeah. you know, it's, you know, anybody can, can, can build up a company of credit if you're, you know, if you're clever enough. Yep, that's true. I had a friend of mine who was like, oh, you have a camera? Bet. So over the course of several months, we would meet up and he would just like shoot these short scenes, right? And I would give him the footage and like he, he'd slide me a couple of dollars into the table, mm -hmm. and just chop together like his own. It's like, real. Yeah, thing. And and to anyone who didn't know any better, you know, like he's done yeah. all these things. Forget mm -hmm. that like he wrote them all and it was all his idea. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Right. Edited together. No one cares. Mm -hmm. So exactly. You know, I started to learn the the value of experience. Um, especially being, you know you know, a person of color and then having locks as a hairstyle and, you know, I'm not yeah. like super duper tall. Uh, you know, there were a lot of things that I had to learn ab about like the more harsher realities of, of being a professional entertainer. Yes. Uh, and like, that's, that's, you know, learning how to take that in stride. How do I, how, how do I still show up how do I still you know when I step into that audition room how am I gonna be there so completely that you have no choice but to say but you know but to take notice but to say yes yeah. you know, that kind of thing uh, and most of the jobs that I've gotten have been some of them have been amazing auditions mm -hmm. you know and I walked away with a really good feeling about it Mm -hmm. some of them have been forgettable auditions <laughs> like I walked away and I was just like uh, I went <laughs> right I, I, I said I wanted to go and I went yeah now some of them were horrible <laughs> auditions oh, you know yes. and I was like oh I'm definitely not getting that job uh, <laughs> you know so it you know there's there, there's all you, know, you can do is show up yes 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 that is so true. Yeah. Oh yeah. <sighs> How are you finding the the journey? I know it's a hard question to ask given that the world is <laughs> literally coming off the other side of the giant piece of shit that we've been on for the last year. But you know, hopefully yeah. coming off the other side. Hopefully, hopefully. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a different story. <laughs> it's been quite interesting. Um, I think just seeing the sheer diversification in projects that are available mm. like folks are having zoom productions you're having things happen on other uh gaming platforms social media platforms and it is it's really cool it's really cool and i think it's very exciting that the industry at large has to kind of have to pander to what's happening right now and acknowledge that there are different avenues for stories to be told. 
Mm. Um, and I think that's exciting. However, with regards to auditioning and looking for work, finding work, it's, it's still really odd. Like I'm navigating the whole self-tape uh, situation and the virtual callbacks and stuff. And it's like, hey, your lighting's off or hey, did you cut out? And I was like, okay, well, oof. It, it's still that matter of showing up but recognizing that you're also inviting someone into your home and into your space. And there's that fourth wall that just does, it's, it's obliterated, you know? And sometimes you have to hope, as you mentioned, that you showing up in your entirety and just being all that you are is enough. Also to the point where that might distract them from the fact that my wall's blue or something like that, you know? Right. Like right. that they can't look away. Um, like I reached, yeah, I reached out to you maybe a couple of weeks ago to just like have a virtual read through and for feedback and stuff. And that's so weird. Cause normally it would be like, Hey, do you want to get coffee and run lines? Or like get feedback. And now it's, it's so it's equal parts disconnected and intimate at the same time, but it, it's wild. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's a it's a very it's a very new landscape. Yes. I'm still I'm still not sure how I feel about it. Because um, there's just there's certain forms of entertainment that aren't gonna go away and they only work if people can, you know, get together in person. And be there. Yeah. Um but I can't deny that The, the opportunity for something new to be born does exist. I don't think it's particularly happened yet. Um, We're getting there though. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think it's just waiting for someone to have that that magic of, of, of <laughs> opportunity, inspiration, and yeah. luck. Uh, yeah. And it's certainly there. Uh, but it's just, you know, performing on Zoom is weird. It is. Always. <laughs> it, it's just, it's 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 a weird experience uh, i'm glad i did it but it's it's not for me per se right uh, callbacks are weird callbacks are weird in general uh, yeah very true very very true it's just it's hard to self-generate someone's reaction mm. uh, i think lot even even doing like a, a film callback, like there's someone in the room, mm-hmm. you know? So at the very least I can, if I feel like I'm having trouble like giving to the camera, quote unquote, mm-hmm. I have this human to, mm-hmm. to work, you know, yeah. Right. Which is why they're there. That's part of the reason exactly. why they're there. Yeah. Right. And now like even that is gone. Right, mm-hmm. it's just this camera, and like, yes, I know the people are there, and like, but you know, there, you know, there, there's, it's so closed off. Yes. And if if I get distracted for a second, it's so much harder to bring myself back mm-hmm. into that world because there's no human energy 
in the room that's involved in this process, right? right. Like there are other people in the house, mm -hmm. but they're not involved in what it is that I'm doing. Yeah. So like while there's other, while humanity does exist around me, I kind of have to like shut that out, which is very weird. Yeah. Um, especially when you're talking about like theater or theater performing. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's a very, and then add to that, that like, I can see myself. <laughs> yes. Right. So even though like I'm acting here, right. I'm doing all this stuff. I like, there's a square somewhere with my face on it and I can see what I'm doing. And that mm -hmm. it's like, a, it's like one more thing to add to the, the level of distraction of like, yes. Like I now have to block that out <laughs> mm -hmm. and and give to you. Right. Uh, and I can't let it like show no. that there's this this thing that's like dying for me to look at it. Like exactly. We are self-centered as all get out, right? Hear mm -hmm. me well, world, right? <laughs> if you know someone who performs, who does art, we <laughs> are very caring, we are very open, but we are very self-centered. Yes. Right? It's, it's more like about being analytical and critical of ourselves than being like full of ourselves but it's a it's very hard it was very challenging to do this and ignore my box exactly I desperately wanted to watch my own performance uh, so yeah it's it's a like some days I'm like okay like I can I can see that this is going to be a thing and I can get behind it and wrap my head Mm -hmm. other days I'm like this is dumb <laughs> 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 there's a reason why no one invented this before like <laughs> yeah. um so you know I don't know I don't know I think when somebody finally figures out what that thing is you know mm -hmm. then we'll all sit back and be like oh, of course you know genius like, why did sure. I do that uh, <laughs> and we'll we'll remix it a hundred million times but you know, until then, it's the awkward, like, I'm looking at you, I'm not looking at you, I'm looking at you, I'm not looking at you, I'm looking at you, I'm not looking at you. We're fumbling through it all. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I would be remiss. Mm. This is like a big, like, left turn from what we sort of been talking about. Okay. But there has been, unfortunately, um, recently there's been this, um, in a very broad sense, this mm -hmm. outcry against gendered violence, specifically as it targets women. Um, and I saw like uh, the Daily Show did a thing sort of talking about like what it means to be a woman in mm -hmm. today's society and the things that women go through that have become normal mm. but that shouldn't be normal mm -hmm. um so like you know walking around with like keys in between your fingers um having pepper spray um wearing it wearing headphones pretending to listen to music so that you can ignore quote unquote like people when they cat call you you know um taking the long way home just in case someone follows you um when you go out making sure that somebody's watching your drinks like stuff that's like that shouldn't it shouldn't be a thing mm -hmm. um and then the level of victim blaming that that inevitably comes out 
when god forbid something does happen you know well, why did she walk that way why didn't she do this um you know why did she wear that why did she go out at all like um it's I think uh, like of the various big conversations that are out there, this is one of the ones that I think bothers me the most, um, mm. mostly because we all have women in our lives that we care about, right? Hopefully, right? That's the- <laughs> Sorry, I was about to say, I would hope that'd be the case. Right, hopefully, right? Mm -hmm. You know, for for the for a large, an overwhelming majority of people around the world, mm -hmm. there is some feminine presence that is more than just like you're there. Mm -hmm. And when things like this happens to them, mm -hmm. there is this sort of justifiable outcry. Mm. But when it happens to that person over there. Mm -hmm. there's this like not even just lack of empathy there's just this unwillingness to recognize the severity of the situation mm. and I know that some part of it is sort of like the history of misogyny in the world mm -hmm. fine right and the story has been you know, I can't, I can't do anything about that, right? Um, but the, the, and the, the general MO as we look back throughout history is that when something happens involving women, it's been downplayed by men in power. So that has, that's, that's the script, right? That's what's been always been done. It's sort of like what we do. But then you look at like, um, Uh, I'm going to say her name like completely wrong, but the, the young woman from the Middle East who was like shot in the face and survived. Mm -hmm. um, or um, I believe her last name is Adichie. She's Nigerian, like, like ridiculously educated, like, and unbelievable at framing her words in a very relatable way. Um, and sort of has this, I don't want to say like a new way of doing it because I don't think that there's a new way to be feminist, but uh, she has a, a certain packaging for feminism that we don't see in the mainstream very often. I'll say that. Um, you look at you know movies like Bombshell and even like a, a Captain Marvel or a Wonder Woman, right? There, there are these voices you know, even before we start talking about like a Me Too movement or a Time's Up, there, there are these extremely loud voices that have talked about the violence done to women. Mm -hmm. um, and from like an early age, mm -hmm. like before, before you know what it is to be a woman for yourself, you know what it is to fend off what it means to be a woman. Mm -hmm. And that's a very tragic thing mm -hmm. to say that, you know, 55% of the world's population has to find a way to just be okay 
with having violence done to them on a daily basis. Like it's, you know, it's not like it's a, it only happens every so often. Like it's, it's every day, mm-hmm. you know, should I, can I wear that knowing that I have to walk past the construction site? Um, yeah, oh, yeah. so-and-so is going to be in the office today. So, you know, let me put my hair up. Uh, you know, like it's, it's, it, there's so many facets of our society that we just sort of let slide um, that does harm to this population of people. And it, for me, in, in really speaking from like the, the, the personal, like mm-hmm. I have a hard time reconciling the fact that like, I know that if this was done to my wife or my mom or like any of the other women in my orbit who are important to me, like you, you better hope somebody holds me back. And you better hope that that person is stronger than me because it's, it's, it's most certainly gonna be a problem, right? And every woman you meet on the street is someone's mother, someone's sister, someone's daughter, right? Like no woman that I meet at least for now, wasn't just like sprung into existence out of the ether, right? They all, we all came from somewhere. We all mean something, right? Someone. Um, and I guess like, you know, that idea of like having a shared humanity for some reason in this conversation mm-hmm. gets lost in a way that's like scary. Mm-hmm. Not to say that that doesn't happen in the, you know, in, in the conversations of racism or, you know, identity conversations, but there's something about the, the conversation of gender mm-hmm. that like, it is the level of conditioning that goes into what that is mm-hmm. and what women are like supposed to be okay with, yeah. right? You're supposed to deal with it. You're supposed to be okay with this. Mm-hmm. That's the way things are. Like that to me is so frightening. Mm-hmm. I haven't really heard a question yet, but um, I that resonates on so many levels. And I think like, as I'm sure you saw like my face contorted and you saw grimaces and frowns and just like, It doesn't get any easier when you recognize that we are living in a hyper um, masculine and paternalistic society that brutalizes women, whether it be socially, politically, monetarily uh, on on so many levels. Um, You mentioned, you mentioned so many things that I can kind of just respond to, but um, catcalling is something that may 
makes my blood boil because I am not under no circumstances am I consenting to an external party saying and giving them the green light that I, you can comment on my body. You can sexualize me. You can denigrate me. You can give this feedback that is unsolicited. I don't give a shit who you are. For you to, for me to just exist and walk down the street and you feel the way to feel compelled to say something like that solidifies that you don't care about the fact that you have made a simple, a seemingly simple task is me walking down the street to get to my destination, a potentially violent encounter. If I vocalize that I did not consent to this, this is ridiculous, this is disrespectful. And I have to go through all of those mental gymnastics and see if the cost benefit analysis weighs in my favor. Like, do I have the energy to engage with this asshole who decided that, oh, to say whatever ridiculous thing? Or am I running late? Or do I really need to catch this train? Um, it's harrowing. Like it, it happened. It, let's see what happened. I was going to the grocery store and it was like 35 degrees out. And I don't play with this weather. So <laughs> I have a sleeping bag parked up. I love it. it. Comes down to my ankles. It's wonderful. Amazing. Love it. And yeah, we're navigating COVID now. So I have a mask on, all these things. I had not one instance, but two instances back to back where folks in their cars were turning the corner and proceeded to put their windows down and say things to me and cat call me. And I'm like, under what circumstances is that okay? Like, for example, you're in a car. If you had malicious intent, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Cat calling anybody under any circumstances is just terrifying. But to be in a vehicle compounds that experience on so many levels. Like if you wanted to, that could have been grounds for it. An abduction, something terrible could have happened to me. And you didn't even potentially conceive that. Or you're like, oh no. Um, I just wanted to say something, or like I feel like I needed to tell you how beautiful. Oh, I don't, I don't need that. I don't need that shit. I'm well aware. <laughs> I, I understand. I get that. I know. But for you to be comfortable to leer at me while you're in a vehicle, it just feels so reductive. And I feel like I'm a commodified good. Mm. And that isn't, that isn't healthy, but it's something that we have been, as you mentioned, conditioned to accept. And the things that I don't accept that I rebuke that because I think it's wrong on so many levels. Mm. And, um, I think we mentioned earlier in the conversation how invasive microaggressions are. And I think misogyny operates in very many of the same ways. Mm. Like the fact that I have women in my circle 
who have had to advocate to be paid the same salary of their male counterparts to do the same exact job. Why do we not have wage parity? Why do we not have access to, why, sorry, let me back that a little bit. Contraception, mm-hmm. shouldn't have to pay for it. That should be accessible to all. Same with birth control. Same with other things that help to maintain my body. You know, I am entitled to my body. I am entitled to taking up space. I can walk. I should be able to walk down the street wearing my sleeping bag parka or wearing nothing at all. If if that is my choice without the fear of what some invasive creature feels that they should be able to say to me. Um, I had an instance where I don't want this to become a laundry list of instances where I have felt violated or I have encountered misogyny or just the hypersexualization of my body because there are many and it's very disconcerting. However, there was there's always this one moment that really sticks out. I we have um, there was a neighborhood barber mm-hmm. and literally grew up in that barbershop because I would go with my brother to get his hair cut and everything like every two weeks had our preferred barber everything on the um school you know like true keep folks at an arm arm's length but you become friendly you should like have a conversation you think things are chill mm-hmm. um I cut my hair let's see where I cut my hair shortly after college yeah Mom was pissed about that. That's a different story. I thought it looked baller. It did look baller. But (laughs) um, yeah, I had the nice fade going on and everything. And I went to the barbershop because it was local and it was $15. That is a dime a dozen. Anywhere else, I would be paying $45 for a shape up. For what? No. So I went to the barbershop and I went to this barber. Um, shape up was wonderful looked dope and awesome and um went there a couple of times and it was cool but then the dynamic started to shift and then under some circumstances dude became too comfortable and started like saying things and trying to pass a move and I was like at what point did this dynamic change like you have literally seen me come to this establishment since I was a kid with my brother to get his hair cut. But now that I'm one of your clients, when did when did that become okay? It, it was not all right. And then there was one moment where I would always brush it off. And I was like, fuck, I really like the way that my hair looks. <laughs> but but that even then so, like questioning, should I find another barber? Because I'm, I am navigating this instance of discomfort to get something done because mm. of the way that I look. That's difficult. But I, uh, there was a final straw moment when he was shaping up. Um, he was shaping up my the front, and 
he was using a razor blade and then he asked me out for drinks mm. and I was like my in that moment my breath got caught in my throat because I was like how do I respond in this moment because if I don't respond in a way that's favorable you were holding a razor blade to my face mm. and if I don't respond at all that could be something as well mm -hmm. and it's like again the comfort with which this man felt comfortable to just say something during this act where i was in a, com a potentially compromising what could have been a very dangerous space and not even think anything of it just goes to show that that is how comfortable we are with how not comfortable we are as people but how comfortable our mainstream society is in Reiterate, reiterating the almost second class stance of where women belong in society. Mm. Um, and true, that might, it, and it's like, part of me wants to say, oh, that's being a very, that's like a worst case scenario. That's a bit extreme to concede. It's like, no, because we have seen blatant attacks and brutalize it, like brutalizing acts against women happen for literally nothing. Acid attacks, <laughs> batter, just so many horrifying and gruesome things because people felt that they were entitled to do this damage to women and their bodies. So although a part of me wants to say, no, that was never gonna happen, I never know. Um, I think I think equity is possible. I think parity is possible. However, it requires people to confront the privileges that they have assumed and been given due to being masculine or being masculine presenting and what comes with that. Mm -hmm. I also think we need to um, create a framework that doesn't only support the protection of femininity as it pertains to white Eurocentric ideologies and white feminism. Because as we've seen with the clamoring of the Me Too movement, a lot of voices that have been amplified and have been placed front and center in this movement have been white women. Mm. And I think it is very difficult to untangle misogyny from racism. Mm because just as there were white women who have been sexually harassed and have navigated these harrowing violences, there have also been women of color. And namely, I, as um, a lot of violence and injustice against black women as well. However, I think that in mainstream media and in culture at large, we are very quick to strip black women of their femininity and of their capacity to be delicate or 
subtle and instead want to impress strength and masculinity and all these things. And it's just like, why do I not have claim or right to be soft? Mm. Just as I am fierce and strong. I have a la- I have many layers of softness. I have many layers of dynamism. I am a very magnified, like uh, multifaceted being, you know? Mm. And I think there needs to be a space for that as well in the conversation. Um, hmm. <laughs> I mean, I just, you know, I think back, you know, it's, it's intriguing to me that now I'm I'm at this point in my life where I'm looking back and realizing the the various fallacies that I believed growing up. And, Mm. you know, uh, social conditioning is what it is for a reason, right? Like, um, but it, it, That, that that recognition of perpetuation mm. is difficult. You said a perpetuation? Yeah. Okay. You know, of, you know, it's not it's not just that like, oh, I did these things that fed into these various stereotypes. Um, or, you know, I believed these things that were misogynistic or prejudicial or biased. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's realizing that there were all of these things that I did to keep that cycle going. That was supremely difficult to face mm-hmm. because mostly because it required me to own it, right? I couldn't mm-hmm. distance myself from the acts. I couldn't. Um, which is what a lot of people do, you know, they just go, oh, but I was young and I didn't know any better. And it's this thing that was like, that happened back there. And yes, there's a certain amount of truth to that, mm-hmm. but those acts have ripple effects. Um, and I will never know what those effects are, especially now because I'm so far removed from a lot of them. But knowing that at any given point, any of those things that I did or said affected for someone a cycle that went in a negative direction. Like that was a that was a a hard moment of of realization, especially because you know I work with most of my students are, are women of a multitude of agents. You know when I go teach. Mm-hmm. It's ninety nine point like seven percent female. Great question. So you mentioned that most of them are women versus being female. How? What are the age groups that you're working with? Because that bring even just that framework kind of 
brings a question as to at what age are girls considered women? Um, well, I work with girls to women. Okay. But I think I frame it, I frame it that way because I think that the way that we frame girlhood mm -hmm. is far too misogynistic. Mm. I don't have another word for girlhood that for me doesn't buy into that misogyny. Mm. I think my understanding of womanhood is not mostly because of I, I'm surrounded by a multitude of strong women, right? Mm. Um, so I've had a really up close and personal look at what misogyny has done to womanhood mm. and therefore had to grapple with how to tear a lot of that away. Mm. Um, but my relationship to girlhood isn't um, the same. And mm -hmm. I think that the way that we talk about being a young girl mm -hmm. or growing up as a girl, specifically using that word, Mm -hmm. It comes with such such amazing connotation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when when you say the phrase "young girl," the image that comes to mind is so specific. Mm. You know, it's it's pretty colors and it's flowers and sunshine and puppies and rainbows and unicorns, and a lot of my students wear colorful clothes. I have a multitude of kids who have an overwhelming variety of unicorn clothing. Love it. Right? Yes. But that is because they themselves are obsessed with unicorns, right? That has nothing mm -hmm. to do with them being a young girl. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that for me specifically, and I'll, I'll start with me, mm -hmm. right? I think that my idea of girlhood is it still conjures a lot of those ideas of not being something that's as multifaceted as I know human beings can be. Mm -hmm. But it's it's still in my head a very um, narrow view gotcha. that of this idea of femininity that gets sold. Uh, mm -hmm. And I get that part of it is because I'm in the entertainment industry and like there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that like I have to digest for work. Mm -hmm. um, when I deal with my students, specifically my my younger, younger girls, um, I think that the the question that I keep grappling with or the question I keep circling back to is there's a reality, a current reality of what it means to be female presenting, especially mm -hmm. when you talk about like an American society. And I can't run from that, right? Especially as like an older male. I can't ignore that. I can't run from that. I can't hide from that. And I can't do the same thing to those students. Right? If I take all that stuff and throw it in a box, when I deal with them, I'm just perpetuating a different part 
but still perpetuating a cycle that doesn't lead in a positive direction. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of have to bring all of that with me. Mm -hmm. But the question always begs, you know, with the things that I say, with the things that I do, with the choices that I make, am I doing it solely because they are female presenting? Mm. Or am I doing it because they are people mm -hmm. who happen to be female presenting? Mm -hmm. I would love to be in a, live in a world where the latter is all that there is, mm -hmm. right? That I'm dealing with your humanity and you just happen to be this thing. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I also recognize that the world that we live in right now is not that world. So the thing that I'm sh I struggle with and why I, I tend to shy away from things like, um, like using things like, oh, but she's a young girl, she's a young lady, or, you know, sometimes I'll say like young woman, but mm -hmm. the, the, the bigger thing that I try to deal with is like, okay, like, I understand where we are, or I have, a, I have an understanding, I should say, of where we are now. And I know where we should go, mm -hmm. right? I know that we're trying to get to a world where our shared humanity is so massive that it eclipses the presentation that we have, mm -hmm. right? That it becomes bigger than us being people of color of us being transgendered, of us being male versus female versus non-binary. Um, but I know that we're not there yet. So how do I, how do I deal with my eight-year-olds in a way? What, how do I talk to them? What ideas do I let slip? What conversations do I let pervade mm -hmm. that feed into this idea of shared humanity mm -hmm. versus feeding into this idea of like, Oh, but you're a little girl. Oh, but you're supposed to be a young lady, right? You know, what, what even like idioms and colloquialisms that I say that feed into this idea that like masculine or masculine presenting should be mm -hmm. and feminine and, 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 and female presenting should be. Mm -hmm. And how can I strip that so that it's just like people like we're just we're just people, and you happen to be what you are, um, and it's a rough. It's a rough process because, you know. Again, I don't want to. I don't want to send you out into the world blind. You know, like, I I want to give you that hope. I want to give you that belief system. I want to give you that feeling that just because in your genetic code, you know, this went one way versus the other way, doesn't actually have any determination over the kind of life that you can lead or the kind of choices that you can make for yourself. Mm -hmm. But I also know that the reality of what's out there is beyond harsh. Right, and I know that, especially for my my youngest ones who are eight, mm. right, they're right on the cusp of of that world coming crashing down on them, and not knowing a whole lot about it, right, not having the knowledge, the tools, to actually engage with those microaggressions, mm -hmm. 
but they're they're almost there. And right now they are just, you know, they're cute and they're cuddly and they're they're living their best life and they're just balls of energy and it's great. I love it. Right. Um, but I see it, especially when like um like the parents will come and get them. I see it already starting to creep in at like seven and eight of like, you know, um, don't walk like that. Don't sit like that. You know, put your clothes like this. Don't do it like that. Uh, why would you let your hair like do this? And, and they're, they're, they're seemingly innocuous, you know, like, they, it, it feels so harmless because you're talking to a six-year-old, you're talking to an eight-year-old, right? Like there's a certain amount of like, you are a kid and I'm trying to mold this, the, the basis for an adult. But I also know that the boys who are seven and eight don't get the same kind of tone or intensity mm-hmm. versus the girls who are seven and eight, right? So- yeah. You know, when when my little when the little guys come out of class and like the uniform was falling or slipping and like it's just like oh you're such a mess you're such a boy like what am I gonna do with you ha ha ha, ha. Yeah. like it's this playful like you know like boys will be boys kind of attitude whereas with the girls it was like how many times have I told you not to let you know there's a seriousness to it that's like it feels almost victim blaming it's policing. Yeah. It's a form of policing under the guise of protection. <sighs> yeah, yeah. But it's, you know, it's a thing that I struggle with mm-hmm. a lot, especially when I consider that, that, that gap from like nine to 12, mm-hmm. I see it, mm-hmm. right? I, see, I can see the difference just in the way that they relate to me. And I am as non-sexual an entity as I can possibly be when I'm with my students, right? Mm-hmm. I try to suck that relation, like do not connect me with that, mm-hmm. right? Cause that's not the space that I wanna occupy. I'm not saying that I'm not, I'm not running from the reality that that is a thing mm-hmm. that will emerge. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm not running from the reality that relationships and liking, like that's, those are all things. I'm not going to shy away from that because that's very real, but just not involving me. Right? Mm-hmm. But I can always tell yeah. when I'm just like fun teacher person, right? Mm-hmm. To when like I come in and like, oh, you're a, you're a man. Yeah. And all of the stuff that comes with that. Mm-hmm. right we you can see that in, in the way that that they deal with you so you know it's you know it's that it's that constant struggle of I want to prepare you for for the ugliness of the world mm-hmm. but not just to defend against it but to potentially change it and that's a that's a very hard coat of armor to try and help you create yeah and it's especially considering that like what the things that perpetuated are things that are so far outside of my control 
you know, when you're glued to social media every second that you can get, you know, mm-hmm. like I can try my hardest to, to like pull you back from the brink, but then you leave and then that's it, you know, or when it's, you know, a sibling who makes an offhand comment or a parent who makes an offhand, you know, like there are so many influences on, you know, or, or how many times I see, especially when I do like my dance classes, mm. when I first started teaching, like I had to, I had to constantly, I had to learn how to check my students checking themselves in the mirror. Mm. And it was little, like it's so, it's a tight, it's like, it's a very small, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like a full on, like I'm, you know, doing my makeup in the morning, like, right. let me like nitpick over everything, but it'd be like in the middle of us doing something, I catch one of them be like, like a, oh, I didn't, I didn't see that there before. And it's like, and I had to, I had to very quickly learn how to manage that. Yeah in a space where I was like, that's not, this is not why we're here. Like, we're not here for, like, that's not, this is not, and I, I would tell them all the time, like, it's not that kind of mirror. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not the mirror for deciding that, like, your clothes don't fit right. Mm-hmm. right? This mirror is for me, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, this yeah. is so that I can see you without having to turn and look at you, right? Mm-hmm. This is so that you can be over in the corner and still see me. That, that's it. That's the only job Right, it's not meant for you to make sure that your hair looks good or like oh like this leotard doesn't fit me right I wonder if like no 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 that's no 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 right um so it's you know it's a thing that I'm constantly having to beyond what's happening out in the world you know it's a thing that I've had to really come to grips with Mm -hmm. and the reality of like like there's a certain amount of, I don't have like a word for it, but there's a, there's a certain mm-hmm. amount that I need to do for the young women that I engage with. But also like, how do I deal with the men and the young men that I engage with? Mm-hmm. Cause that's, that's the side of the coin that very rarely gets thrown into the big forum mm-hmm. of this conversation. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's always what the girl did or what the girl said or what the girl was wearing or mm-hmm. it's never that the dude was an idiot. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's yeah. never that we, we condition these young boys to look at certain situations where they are entitled to take advantage of young women. Mm-hmm. Like this whole weird thing of when toddlers like start playing with kids on the playground. Like, oh, is that your little girlfriend? Is that your little boyfriend? Why are we sexualizing toddlers? Why are we reinforcing this gendered binary and concept of like relationships? It, um, but as it pertains to but bringing it back to what you just shared, I think, first of all, acknowledging and holding yourself accountable for some of the actions and ways in which you might have perpetuated certain things 
is huge because I think that there is a lack of accountability um, when it comes to this conversation. Like one thing that folks were very quick to forget is that to anyone is capable of inflicting harm whether they are conscious of it or if it happens subconsciously. Mm -hmm. We have all exhibited some sense of prejudice, bias, oppression, or just flexing some modicum of privilege that we possess, whether or not we know. And I think that that is something that it's very uncomfortable and just hard to reconcile that me I know I'm great I'm great like your first instinct is to double down and like not that's not me like no it very well could have been you could have done this thing if someone is saying that they have been affected by your actions in one way or another believe them hold that as truth and figure out what unlearning you need to do to help move the needle forward um I think it's really cool and admirable that you are actively thinking about what you can bring into the classroom to create a equitable experience for your students. Because I think that that is a lot of, it's a lot of work that resides outside of the description of being an instructor and being a teacher. However, as you are making yourself available and open to engage with some of the tension that might arise. Hopefully you're also providing a space of comfort for students who might be encountering some things that they are feeling ugh about, you know? Because safe to say that that could be happening anywhere. Um, and that's the very harrowing thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, I struggle with it a lot. I mean, my dance classes, it's a little bit easier because the, like, time is a factor. So mm -hmm. I maximize my time in terms of, you know, teaching, right, dance. Um, but as my, as a lot of my students get older, they fall into the role of, like, you know, assistant and helper, like those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So I end up spending more like downtime around them. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you teenagers aren't as secretive as they think they are, you know, like, <laughs> yes. you know, they let a lot of information like slip um, yeah. unconsciously. Uh, and, you know, especially coming out of this pandemic, mm -hmm. um, and seeing, and, and I won't limit this just to, to women, you know, like I, you know, I have, I have kids that, that we work with who have like special needs. So like that has been a thing that I've had to see like up close and personal, mm -hmm. you know, the re, re, reuniting with like my old high school friends and, mm -hmm. you know, dealing with that in terms of, of race and privilege, like see, I've, I've been able to come face to face with a lot of stuff in the last year. Right. Um, and you know now when I when I see my students, mm -hmm. it's like this glaring thing of of like 
there are there's a level of there are things that you should not understand right as an eight-year-old human mm-hmm. right there's there's certain ideas that you shouldn't have to engage with yeah. um i fair i firmly believe that um, yep. but i also believe that sticking you in a, a bubble and trying to preserve that youthfulness, because I don't, innocence is not a thing that I subscribe to, but, you know, to preserve that youthfulness, I don't really believe in that either, because mm. any anyone who's been to any quote-unquote elite institution mm-hmm. can see some of the the downsides of letting someone feel youthful for too long. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the thing that, you know, when when we have like the pause, the, the water breaks and the, you know, the, the ones who are older who are helping out when we have like those, those moments in between classes, mm-hmm. you know, the thing that I'm always trying to recognize is that, you know, one, their world isn't the world that I grew up in, mm-hmm. right? I'm very, like this modern world is something that I'm very much experiencing as an adult. Um, that is a thing that I have to recognize that doesn't supersede the information and experience that I have, um, mm-hmm. but it does inform it. Yes. The other thing I'm, I'm trying to recognize is that like the greatest chance for changing tomorrow is getting them to understand what that changes. And it and not to say that I've given up on my generation or past generations, right? I don't think that that's, you know, we should just be like, well, forget them, they're set in their ways, let's just deal with it, right? Um, but I think that the greatest opportunity for change exists with your generation and those younger than you. Yeah. Um, but part of that is trying to deal with some of the social conditioning that they have internalized Mm -hmm. and getting them to recognize that you don't have to swallow it just because they're serving it. Yeah. Right, and your, your greatest weapon against the things that you feel are imposing upon you is your own belief in your own identity. Because at the end of the day, no one else has any control over that, right? That's all you, right? Even if if you believe someone, that's a choice that you yourself made, Mm -hmm. right? You could also decide not to, right? Right, that's also true. So in terms of your identity, that is your greatest weapon against the world. Um, So, you know, chiefly I've tried to engage with how to, how to get you to engage with that idea, right? I can't get you to make any decisions, right? I can't, I I can't tell you what that is, but I can make you aware that that is an existence that you have power over. And what you do with that is, is all you. But as long as you know that it's there, you know that it's something that you can uh, that you can take with you, that you can grapple with, that you can engage with. Um, 
it's a it's a it's a hard thing because at the same time I'm also recognizing the things that I've been conditioned and 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 trying to dismantle some of that stuff. Uh, so you know, there's the current reality of like the world is a scary place. So when my 16 year old goes home alone, it's like make sure you let us know when you're home because that's that's real. Um, but also not being like wait for the guy to walk you to the thing, even though that's something that I grew up with, right? Like take you to your front door, you are safe. And then, you know, I go on my merry way. Not to say that it's safer for me because I'm a guy, right? I can just as easily be, have violence done to me, not for the same reason, obviously, but, uh, you know, it's, it's that moment of, um, I think of, uh, I can't remember the, the comedian's name, but she has the special on, on Netflix, Nanette, and she talks about um, the, the story of like her hitting on this girl and then her boyfriend coming up and realizing that um, she's a woman. And like, she like, it like becomes like a big joke. And then her, you know, revealing that the, the part of the story that she doesn't tell is that he comes back and he's like, wait a minute, you were still hitting on my girl and he beats her up, right? And I think that as a society, we're like on the cusp of taking that step towards revelation, right? We're still, we're still telling the story and framing it in a way that makes it easy to laugh off. And we need to reveal the painful part of the story so that we can engage with it and, and move and move on. The problem is, is that like we are, specifically I'll speak to like American society, we are wholly unwilling to hold ourselves accountable for things, right? That we are, that we, we have a long rich history of, fun. of deniability um, and, and shifting blame. Some would even say that that's responsible for a country's foundation, but that's a hot take I don't think yeah. we're ready for. Okay, right, right. It's a conversation. Yeah. Um, that that's and it sucks because like even hearing you talk, it's like there's a part there, there's the part of me that wants to be like, oh my God, like I'm so sorry you had to experience that, right? Like I I, I went through this phase where like I would apologize. Mm. for men I, I know that that dude isn't going to apologize to you so I'm going to apologize to you for him right mm -hmm. and I thought that I was like evolved for coming to that like <laughs> to do that yeah right and it's it, it never occurred to me like like while that's sweet right it doesn't change anything and it and if anything it highlights the fact that the person who's actually responsible is never gonna take responsibility. Exactly. So the only way that this person gets to feel better now is to have a surrogate step in. Like that's, that in some ways that makes it worse, not better. Um, but at the time, like I, I thought I was, of course. you know, in um, this, you know, stuff like that. So it's, you know, when, as, as, as someone who identifies as a man and who walks through the world that way, 
Mm-hmm. Recognizing that it's not my job to um, it's not my job to apologize for the pain. Mm-hmm. It's just my job to be there. Mm. Right. It's it's not my job to fix the the woman or the the female presenting person who's injured. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's my job to speak up and speak out so that other men can recognize that there is a problem to be fixed. Mm-hmm. And that's a very hard concept to explain. Like it's like trying to explain like uh, you know, institutional racism, right? Like it's a it's a hard thing to pin down. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that only comes through self-revelation. You know, like I can't I can't explain to you why this is a thing in a way that's gonna convince you, right? Like that's something that you have to arrive at for yourself. And you can talk to the women in your life to gain perspective, certainly, absolutely. But the concept of like, I'm gonna understand what you went through because you've, you've you've told me these stories or explained these emotions um, mm-hmm. is is wholly false. And it's the part of the conversation that I think a lot of guys get stuck on. You know, oh, I've, I've talked to my sister, and, you know, I've talked to my girlfriend and, you know, I've, you know I've, I've talked about it. And it's like, that's, that's great. And you're at least talking about it, which is not something that all men can say. Uh, but what do you do with that information? Mm-hmm. You know, do, do you, have you actually let it like affect you? Mm-hmm. Have you thought about like what you have done in your own, mm-hmm. right? And I know you're not, I know I, you're not gonna sit here and be like, well, I didn't do that to her. Well, no, no one thinks that you did that to her. That's, that's not what we're talking about, right. right? In the same way that like, I don't care if you're racist because I'm interested in solving the problem of racism. So your acts, you 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 saying that these things make you racist is yeah. that, that's that's a non-issue. If I can deal with racism, you being a racist will no longer be a problem. Mm. In the same way, right? If if I can deal with misogyny, mm-hmm. then your own toxic masculinity will start to ebb away. Because the bigger thing, right, the bigger concept is being torn down. But with the same trap with the other isms, I can't touch misogyny, right? I can't physically make contact with it. I can't put it in a Petri dish for you to look at under a microscope, right? I can't like cut it open and like dissect it. I can only explain it by pointing out people who take part, he's a misogynist. That person is, that that act, that's toxic masculinity, but right, then you just go, oh, we'll just fix that person. But you, you missed, you missed the point, mm-hmm. right? You can't see the forest for the trees at that point. You're so focused on that one. Um, and it's something that like, you know, partially because I saw this thing the other day, like it's just, 
it's been this like burr in my brain. What was it? Uh, the the Trevor Noah thing. Uh, mm. You know, and the thing the thing that they highlighted was like um, that uh, women when they get home have to text each other that they're okay. Okay. Right. So you leave, and there's always a group of friends who are like, "Text me when you get home." Mm-hmm. Right. And that's that's just a normal occurrence, right? And like the joke was like, well, what happens if like you don't text them? Like what happens if you get home and like you just you're tired and you fall asleep and you forget, right? And like what, and then delving into like what what the reasons why that has to be yeah. a, a situation, right? Yeah. Um, or like the reason why I, when I was in college and for a few years afterwards, you know, I would give self-defense workshops and tactics to women mostly on how to deal with a male attacker that's like mm-hmm. you know so talking on the phone making lots of noise uh, you know don't you know don't give up like you know like things that you can do even if you're freaking out to help your case and at the time, it, again, I, I framed it in that sense of like, I'm giving you the tools to like fight back. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until you know many moons later, unfortunately, that I was like, yes, tools, take them, because right now the world is crap. But we also, I also need to deal with the crap of the world as well. I can't ignore that. Because I'm just putting band-aids on the cuts at that point and not actually dealing with the underlying cause. Um, so it, you know it's it's been an unsettling journey. Um, but is that thought of I, I look out into the world and I don't necessarily like what it is that I see. And I don't really see a whole lot of other people doing anything about it. We're here. Don't worry. We're here. No, I know. I know. I know. I know. (laughs) You know, I know you're there. I know you're out there. Um, You know, but I also recognize that, like this, you know, a lot of these isms. It's not. It's not just the job of women to deal with gender issues right men need to take part right it's not just the job of people of color to address issues of racism white people need to take right like there needs to be these other we need the the jane elliott's of the world we need the the trevor noah's of the world the barack obama's the uh you know even like a justin trudeau right Mm -hmm. who are stepping up and saying like yes this is a problem and yes there are things that like my wife and my daughters can do but here are the things that I can do. Here are the things that my sons can do mm-hmm. to help dismantle that that yeah. system. Um, so it's you know I'm I'm kind of like always it's always and especially because my business partner has a six year old daughter. Mm. So you know every time I look at her, it's like. 
like she's cute and she's great and but there's there's this thing in the back of my mind that it's like just ticking off the days it's like oh, there's one more before something comes along it just shatters like mm-hmm. that whole thing and it's it yeah you know right now she's just she's this ball of of, of energy which is great you know but i lament that moment when that thing comes along and the real world comes kicking down the door mm-hmm. like and it's unfortunate because it will come and it's the knowing that it's going to happen i think one thing that's so um i've mentioned this so many times already but There is a lot of power in both misogyny and white supremacy being intangible mm-hmm. because it allows it to seep into every space that we occupy. Mm-hmm. And then it like it makes it more overwhelming for people to be like, how do I dismantle it? How do I fight it? How do we defeat Bowser? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like this is where I think the intersectionality framework comes into play because we understand that these evils are operating in tandem. They feed off of each other and they allow it to seep into all of the spaces that we occupy. And it's like, true, we have these moments, we have when we have women at the helm, we have queer folks, we have people of color at the helm of these movements, but we also do need to tap on and not, not even tap in, like folks who benefit at the pinnacle, like who benefit the most from these isms and the oppression and exploitation of others. They need to be doing the work and fixing it rather than oh this isn't really my problem like i see your cause like empathy and sympathy are cute but i need action that's it that that's it like one thing that's been so harrowing and disheartening i think especially at the over the summer you saw countless lists of books to read and um the influx of dollars and support to foundations but also along with that like don't get me wrong there are so many organizations out there doing great work and to see that rally of support is huge but for all of that there are also the one-off messages of oh how are you doing how's everything how how are are you fine like what can i do to support you it was that granular level of hey i feel as though i need to tick off my good Samaritan task for the day. <laughs> and it felt performative and it felt empty. And after, like in the beginning, I was like, oh shit, it's cool. We're not getting, you're reaching out. This is a lot. I am dealing with a lot. Yes, I appreciate that. But then it just felt empty mm-hmm. and it felt very performative. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not enough. I need more. Mm-hmm. And if you can't offer more, honestly, step to the side and make space for those who can. 
Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I had, I was interviewing someone last year and they, mm-hmm. they, you know, it was kind of like, is there anything that you want, like questions do you have for me? And they're like, well, you know, I have friends who are of color and like, I see that they're, they're dealing with this and that this is a thing and I want to, you know, I want to be there, like, you know, what can I do mm-hmm. to like be there for them other than, you know, the, you know, Facebook, you know, the generic social media stuff. Right. You know, and my response was like, look, in a very general sense, like showing up is, is a very big deal. But mm-hmm. in terms of like the individual, that is very much up to the individual. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the best thing you can do is just hit them up and be like, hey, I see that the world is crazy right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna assume anything, but like, I, I'm, I'm here, <laughs> you know, in whatever form you need that to take, you just let me know and, and I will do that. Um, and I think it's, you know, while I, I congratulate that sentiment and only because I know the person, so it's, mm-hmm you know, that I know that they are genuine in, in putting that out there. Right. Um, the, I think this is where we look at like sort of the downside of social media mm. is so performative, mm-hmm. right? There, there is a safety in knowing that, you know, the video is only gonna be but so long. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this, this picture is only like an instant, a snapshot. And while I can say a great deal about what I'm feeling in that moment, it is only just a moment. Right. And you can't encompass the entirety of a person in a singular photo. So, right. you know, there's a certain amount of safety in not having to deal with the uncomfortableness that comes with these conversations. Right. Right. So you can you can post, you can share, you can like, right? You can donate, right? You can do all of those things, but that doesn't necessarily make you a part of the conversation. Yep, or the movement. Right, um, which is crazy. But I mean, it's, you know, it is the world that we live in, broken, not broken, but flawed as it is. Uh, it's the one we have, so. Yeah. You know, it's figure it is. Um, I'm curious about something, right? Um, you know who, um, I never say her name wrong, so forgive me. You never, I, I never say, say it wrong? Right. I was like, all right, bet. <laughs> <laughs> I never say her name right, so forgive me. Uh, do you remember Tommy Laren? Yes, that's a yes. Okay, I could tell from your face that that's a yes. Right. Why, why, so, why? okay. Right, we all understand, we understand the viewpoint that she stood for publicly, right? And the interesting thing we do, to me, do, do we understand? We don't like Sorry. it. Do we understand it? Not always. Okay, God, I just uh, wanted to. <laughs> but in a general sense, right? We understand her viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the interesting thing to me was, now I'll admit, and I could be wrong, I, mm-hmm. When she first like sort of like burst into the public forum, I thought it was show. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. lie. It, it was. It felt very 
performative. <laughs> um, but then she had the whole thing where she was like, no, my body, my choice. Like that was her line in the sand. What? Oh, no, she's watching something. <laughs> uh, but she would be if she were paying attention. Um, so th there was this line in the sand for her. Mm -hmm. And like it just overnight gone. They were like, oh, that's how you feel. Bye. Uh, and they kicked her to the curb with the quickness. And hmm. yeah, yeah, like that was, I mean, they, I'm sure they explain it away mm -hmm. some other, but like that was, that was when that happened, right? When they okay. had passed the laws about abortion. Okay. Um, and she was like, mm, no, I'm not with it. And the people who were behind her were like, what are you doing? Like you, she was this young woman who is this wildly powerful conservative voice mm -hmm. and she could be angry without turning people off and still be feminine and sex. Like she was this meeting of so many things, right? Mm -hmm. But she was saying, she was speaking from, and I won't, I, won't, I shouldn't say conservative, but she was speaking from a, a voice. Well, I don't, I don't want to assign, right? Um, but she was, she was speaking, she was speaking with this voice, mm -hmm. right? That they had been trying to get more mainstream, mm -hmm. right? They wanted it to, to, it, I won't say it was missing because it was definitely there, but from the people who were using it, it, it wasn't gaining the kind of traction that they wanted, especially- It wasn't with, sexy. Yeah, especially with people who were younger, right? Now here, come, here she comes and all mm -hmm. of a sudden you have these teenagers and these 20 somethings who are like looking like, ooh, right? Mm -hmm. They're turning their heads. And when she took that stance, they were like, oh, no, 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 no. You, like, you have to toe the line. Mm -hmm. And she was like, nope. Like, mm. it, this is what I believe. Like, I'm, and that was, that was two things, right? The first thing was like, oh, it wasn't the show. Like, so you're, okay, you're drinking the Kool-Aid, like, hard. Got it. Got it, got it, got it, right? <laughs> and you, you are wholly convicted. Mm -hmm. so I was both, like, horrified and amazed at the same time, because... Mm -hmm. Right, like politically, I definitely don't agree. So <laughs> the fact that someone as young as she is does is convicted from a lot right. of things that she said, it's like, oh wow, that's mm -hmm. that's quite scary. But yeah, the fact that she she was willing, not say willing, I'm 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 sure there was a lot more like kicking and screaming involved, but mm -hmm. you know that she was unwilling to take it back, uh -huh. you know, for the sake of maintaining her spotlight and her celebrity, mm. you know? So it's, 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 I'm interested, like, when you look at like that kind of situation, especially because her stance was so like pro-woman mm -hmm. and her other stances were wholly entirely controversial as far as I'm concerned 
<laughs> you know, how do you react to that kind of situation where even somebody who was able to kick down all these doors in a very modern sense was still like just like literally two seconds and next thing you know no one knew her name anymore so i cannot speak with an holy educated um response on tommy's career mm -hmm. as her lane is not one that I tend to follow. Right. Um, I will say that to that point. However, I think there is also, I would also like to mention that I did say that her packaging and messaging was very sexy. And I don't mean that in actually like an aesthetic appealing, mm -hmm. but with her packaging came buying power and it came access to a demographic that conservative politics may have struggled to ignite. Right. And I think that that was definitely elevated with social media platforms and her look. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, this ironically ties in quite nicely to an interview that I saw yesterday um, with Stephanie Mills. Mm. And Stephanie mentioned um, although this does pertain specifically to Black entertainers, she mentioned that if you realize that you're occupying a space, know that you're there either for entertainment or for like a reason. There's a reason why you're there, mm -hmm. you know? And if you were not buying into the brand and if you're not aligned with what's expected of you, you're disposable. Mm -hmm. And though I can't speak to this moment of when, though I'm not wholly versed on the moment when she was like, nah, my body, my choice. Mm -hmm. um, I do believe that that might not have coincided with the agenda that she was kind of hired to push forward. And as a result, she's cast out. Um, that doesn't surprise me <laughs> at all. Um, it just goes to show that to some degree people are sometimes reduced to a cog in a machine mm -hmm. and that is not pleasant feeling at all um and there's always a sometimes there's a fear of very real repercussions that come along with voicing your actual opinion and showing up as your whole and entire self. And I feel like we see that in the workplace, um, whether it be like these blacklistings or just, okay, I was let go for nothing concrete, but for being a bit opinionated or cause, ruffling a couple of feathers or being ostracized in other circles and spaces because you are advocating for something mm -hmm. that you believe in that goes against a negative status quo or toxic status quo. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I was also just looking up. Apparently, she's like, she's a year older than I am. Snap. I had no <laughs> idea. It's like, damn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. And like in well into obscurity, she went. Yeah, ironically enough, interesting. Yeah, and like her, there's a there's a few of them of that like time period, mm-hmm. young conservative voices, um, yep. for lack of a better term, who like it was like yes, 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 go do say speak, and then like something came along that like yeah, it, 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 yeah. like a major left turn for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and it was like oh no, 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 no we don't I want this. That's no, 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 thank you. Um, yeah, yeah, that was a, that one was a, <laughs> whoo, that was a big one. That was a crazy one. I'm a, I'm gonna read up on that because that sounds intense. Yeah, she did, and if you if I hope I suggest you you like take a second to watch it, mostly mm-hmm. because it's very masterful on oh. on his part. But um, she goes to the Daily Show. And Trevor Noah uh, interviews her, mm. and he he does such an amazing job of not making the joke, mm. keeping it like light-ish because mm-hmm. you know, she's not that's not her brand, right? So you know it couldn't be like too like light, mm-hmm. um, but being able to engage with her uh-huh. without like without making it like I'm gonna make you feel stupid kind of feeling mm-hmm. um and you know like it was that thing of like I need you to keep talking mm-hmm. but I can't just let you sound off either right and veer right. off in a different direction right I can't just let you like this is your pulpit I didn't bring you here to preach mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like on on that level alone, I was like, I, I had like newfound respect for him because I was like, that's very difficult to do okay. because she's um, she's very intense in voicing her opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't say that she's opinionated because that's misogyny at its best, but. Um, you know when you know when she speaks she puts such like force into what she's saying mm-hmm. that it it very easily can feel like you're being like shouted down like mm-hmm. she's it it feels like she's shoving her thoughts like down your throat um, mm-hmm. and he does an amazing job of like turning it into like an act of engagement right um, and you can tell that she came in ready for more of a like combative mm-hmm. kind of like you know mm-hmm. it's a daily show like you know what I mean like it's not like she didn't understand what she was walking into for sure um, and he did a very good job of like of like diluting that and making it very much like no no, no. like I'm gonna interview you like I interview everybody, everybody else, else. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean like just because we don't agree politically doesn't mean that we can't mm-hmm. engage um so yeah if you can find that interview it's it's um right. he does get a couple shots in, I'm not gonna lie. I mean it's Trevor, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But um it's he does it in such a way that it doesn't turn into like a like a big why well, don't understand right? Like it's mm-hmm. it's you know, he's as a like he's like, well, you know, this thing's a little funky for me, but 
that's a that's a different thing. Like, let's talk about this. Right. 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 He, it's so he's so good at it. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely check that out because it's right. it's it's so well done. I might even go back and watch it because it's so good. Sick. Now I'll take a look. Definitely take a look. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, well, it's we we've, we've been at this for three hours. <laughs> I was about to say this feels. <laughs> been that for a minute, which is definitely on par for our conversations. Otherwise, it, it so is. It is solid. definitely on par for yeah. our conversations. Um, well, thank you for 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 doing this, for being um, for being open um, uh, with yourself. I know for a fact that that is not easy. Um, and um, again, before we sign off, I'm just gonna give a special thanks to my cousin, my family, my blood. Uh, <laughs> I want to thank you, our listeners, for taking this journey with us. Uh, whenever, wherever you are right now, uh, just a small reminder that the world is truly vast. We can't know every person's individual story, but it never hurts to take a step back and listen. Uh, I am Akai Franklin. We are the Breakthrough Movement, and this has been Breakthrough Speaks. We'll see you next time, and thanks again for taking the time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you so much. It was great.